If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. The girls are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either going to win. Welcome to the Winner's Edit, a Survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm so sad that it's over, Joe. <laughs> and there's there's one thing left to do, and that's cover this finale, which was episode 13, short season, one thing left to do, dot, 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 win. Survivor season 41, in the books. Can't change it. Can't change it. Yeah, it's over. Like, there's a, there's a funny thing about doing this podcast. It's so based on a moment, right? We spend all this time thinking and predicting and calculating all for a one moment that, uh, you know, kind of happens and, and then it's over. And then it's all, did all the words that we said match up to what happened? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, uh, it's, it's kind of a fun little journey, uh, on finale night every year definitely i sort of do a and i don't like live tweet or anything which is the thing to do but like every commercial break i like it's the only time i do like percentages for like win equity and so i like keep a track of how much everyone's gonna win so but yeah for this episode it's like oh we could have to restructure because we're not predicting things anymore we're not trying to figure things out other than like what went what went right what went wrong like yeah so i basically we're gonna structure this like we're gonna give our thoughts on the episode uh we're gonna talk about the episode we're gonna talk about what to learn for the future it's gonna be like almost like uh i mean this is the season of award shows the season of the oscars that sort of thing so that's kind of what the show's gonna be we're gonna go through the season uh talk about what worked what didn't just our thoughts in general on the episode uh, and yeah, I guess to make predictions on the future of this thing now. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a little different, but I think if you're if you're still listening to this podcast, like you're listening for enjoyment, which great, cool, thanks. Um, but yeah, expect something not as usual. So yeah. So I guess on that note, Joe. So what did you think overall on the finale of Survivor Forty One? I. Hmm. I think I want to start by saying I'm, I'm pretty happy about the season as a whole. I really enjoyed it. And I think more than I realize, a lot of my like enjoyment of a season does boil down to the winner. And it was nice to see a winner that was kind of breaking the mold in some respects. As much as we said, Erica wasn't breaking the mold. Um, but seeing the finale sort of go towards this this end that we predicted and was exciting was very interesting. I mean, it also had this interesting balance of like predictability with the final five boot, and then this wildly unpredictable final four fire making mm-hmm. showdown, which was amazing to watch in the moment. And then, right, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I definitely really enjoyed this finale. I was captivated all the way throughout. After show, eh, I don't know how I feel, but I think it was bad, right? Like, <laughs> I thought it was like noticeably bad. No one was prepared. Yeah, like, I think and, if anything I learned from this, it's 
the the how much i took for granted the fact that the reunion exists at all where they have a year to think on their thoughts and you know come up with some sort of profound understanding of what survivor means to them now than like them completely hip firing here like all the answers were bad i thought Mm -hmm. especially for like the the finalists who literally have not any like respite from the exhaustion that they've been on and then you have two of them who have just just lost a million dollars they didn't play the game the best like explicitly like got dunked for three hours or whatever at final tribal heather never has to live with that like she got out and forth and we'll never know like other than exit interviews like what the jury would have said about her yeah which honestly i think could have been better than xander and deshaun so <laughs> yeah no like there's some wild wild things to go through i agree i mean i i have some criticisms of the episode like I thought once Ricard left, like, honestly, the stakes completely vanished for me. Um, And I think the reason for that is how pro-Erica this episode is from minute one to the end. Like, Mm -hmm. it is extremely complimentary. It kind of throws shade at other people. Yeah, it's like... How threatening Erica is gets brought up, like, four or five times in the episode. Like, in, like, very direct ways. Like, Heather literally goes to Xander and is like, Erica will win the jury vote. And then Ricard's (laughs) like, hmm, I think Erica could win the jury vote. Yeah. It's it's that, and then it's also, like, Erica's never actually in danger. Like, she what? wins Final Five. She's not, like, a target at Final Five anyway. Xander is pretty explicitly, pretty quick, like, oh, I'm gonna save her. And then you get this sort of, like misdirection like xander's gonna go against erica but like that's not really happening it's just like it's so positive and she's never in danger yeah so it just feels i don't know to me it's hard to say because we were people who believed in erica before that i think with the people we were watching it with and chatting with online were kind of like what's this erica why is she so positive how is she winning this (laughs) it did sort of surprise them but I think to us, it was not anything. And it, yeah, did kind of, in my win equity tracker, I don't think Erica never had, like, a, not a majority. Yeah. Like, a, and, like, a big majority. Like, there were points where, like, Ricard was still sort of surging a bit there. And, like, Deshaun, um, after Xander won immunity, I think I put Deshaun higher. But otherwise, nothing. Yeah, I think the real issue here, and I think that even if you were... If you're just a casual fan at home, the issue that this episode has to overcome is this is an episode where they are justifying Erica to the casual audience. It is, and that is what it is doing. It is doing it in spades over and over again all throughout the episode because they failed to do it up till then. Mm -hmm. That's the real issue is Deshaun, who has been the main character all season. I guess you could, I mean, Shan was the main character and then it was Deshaun. But I feel like overall, you know, Deshaun takes Mm -hmm. the sideline this episode. He is barely in it, not barely in it, but much less so than he has been. Last week we talked about how they gave Deshaun almost all the narrative heavy lifting of the episode. Um, and this, this week in terms of the finale, he's not there that much and he's not really giving his intro. Like really, I feel like the only perspectives we saw were Erica and Xander and Deshaun, Ricard and Heather all take a massive backseat to this war between Xander and Erica. 
almost like last season, how they did Tony and Natalie, or the season before that when they did uh, Tommy and Dean. Like, that seems to be how they're editing these finales, is a, a battle between two people who will be the the prime candidates at the at the jury vote. Mm-hmm. And I really think it hurts the episode. I think those three finales are all really bad. Um, and it's because they're having to... Like they're trying to make it like a like a face off, and then it just you no longer are even considering that Deshaun can win or that Heather matters or you know like it, I feel like it just robs any any momentum out of that at all. Where they're trying to make it a two horse race because I think they liked how Dominic and Wendell turned out. I think is honestly the reason, and I, I think then you're just left with this like oh man I thought Deshaun was had a shot in this too uh, i guess he doesn't matter anymore all right let's go xander you know yeah i think it's maybe like dominic wendell and then also like the stakes of chris versus rick and like yeah 38. like it it sort of built this like two horse race that i think is an easy narrative to go back to and i think just as they had a huge challenge in like proving erica to the fan base they had this even bigger challenge of like showing why xander didn't get a single jury vote which i think is truly a like very difficult task like i think i look at the season as someone who records a podcast for survivor and still i'm like he he really didn't get anything like yeah like he was doing stuff so out of order or like i don't know and and yeah i think that's the biggest fan reaction i've seen is that like like xander should have won and i think right the things we saw early on that made him not a winner contender for us were the things i think they were trying to do to be like we can't show you him because he doesn't win and we need to be like he's not that great <laughs> but still it was yeah. like because of the mechanics of the game where he has this idol until final five and he's like winning immunities and all this stuff like it's stuff you couldn't like really tamp down and i it still got in the way of this this end game yeah joe i really feel like leaving this episode and this was kind of my take from almost episode six onward. It felt this begrudging style of, of storytelling. Like, I th- I get the impression that the narrative team thinks Xander should have won from this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, everything from this, it's, you know, it, it seems like they're trying to tell the story of how Xander lost, but they don't want to do it. Like, so they just kind of say that... Like, like the reason effectively that they give us for why Xander lost is that Erica won. Like, th- there's not really like a oh, like, like they don't even really give a reason. Like, they're like Heather's just like oh, Erica will win the jury vote if you keep her, and then Ricard says that, but mm-hmm. it's not like even a Natalie White, right? Like, you go to Danger Dave Ball giving a speech, you know, and that speech is all about how she prayed with them and how she let being underestimated deceive you and um you're actually you know like there's 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 so much more gravitas behind the natalie white explanation right it's like well there's actually benefit in being quiet right and this season seemed to instead just say that erica's gonna get more jury votes than you we're not gonna explain why because we don't know and we don't think that this is true Mm -hmm. um and i i really think that's they just told us that she's gonna beat him um they didn't really say why uh, they didn't say, like, oh, Erica has this profound relationship with the jurors, or Erica's, you know, smarter than people expected, or is actually a lion and you think she's a lamb, or whatever. Like, 
it's it's just she's gonna get more jury votes than you. I, I, I was kind of dumbfounded that they told chose to tell the story that way. Yeah, I think when I look back on this season, I think one of the biggest hurdles that it will have is that everyone feels very indistinct. Like there's not big moves, which is we thought would be refreshing to say that, but it's like you think about like what are the big moments, and it's like Liana misplaying that advantage, or like Deshaun's do or die, I guess, is a big moment, but it's not like you get these big strategy moments, especially when you look at your winner. Like, I'm thinking of how much of her story is like Erica's sneaky, Erica's shady, Erica's strategic. Like, they're these very like broad terms, but we never really see like no. execution on that. And yeah, it's, it's, the, a, it's the, a season the, of telling and not showing. Right, Definitely. like I, I think that's the biggest issue is, and, and we'll get there. We're we're gonna do a segment later about like what the season does wrong, and I, I think that's to me that's the biggest. Um, is that they in general just told us things instead of showing it, like. I don't think it's always true. We see some fun moments with, you know, Shan actually doing the nitty gritty, uh, you know, winning friends, influencing people, that sort of thing. But like with Erica, it was just like, she was, she was never questioned at any point. If you're one of the people who are like looking for people with no contradictions, Erica's like blindingly in your face. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. every, there'd be like a five minute segment at the end of the episode. Like Shan's boot is look how Shan's boot happens. And now here's this five minute little mini on its own Island segment of how Erica gets them to split the vote, like, and and how it works. You know what I mean? Like there's never any, you're going to get your little segment of Erica saying stuff and it's going to be completely proven. Right. And I think that's really an issue. Yeah. eh, I don't know. Um, I guess before we get too much into that, we see basically a challenge advantage get hidden from an anagram. <laughs> Joe, what did you think of this segment? Because I feel like it happened so <laughs> early in the episode, no one's talking about it. I thought this was so cringy and made me like grasp, grasp the side of my seat being like, oh my God, is this going to be like a terrible scavenger hunt episode? I was, it was like this miniature roller coaster of emotions because I think I knew the advantage was hidden and then like they're showing this anagram on the screen and I'm like, this is my jam. I'm trying to figure it out. But then also the words themselves are scrambled and like, I don't have the mental capacity to do all of that on like the screen and it would like flash intermittently yep. like <laughs> like they didn't keep it there consistently it'd be like be there and then go away and it'd be like they got to the point where it's like well they're gonna bring it back so i can look again and then and then yeah they do this it's very um uh chamber of secrets tom marvel or <laughs> like the letters all move around yeah well and it's like dancing trees, which like I think Deshaun is like, there's a million trees on this, and it's these weird, like bendy trees. And then yeah, like the last person to solve it, Erica finds it. So yeah. And then I guess the end of that roller coaster is like I'm fearing like, oh, I don't know if I are like super big yeah. advantage for this. And then it's like, I guess a pretty big challenge advantage. Like I don't think Erica wins that without the thing. But I mean it kills Ricard. <laughs> All the Ricard stands in uh in my mentions uh <laughs> from last week. Uh um, like their boy got got murdered. I mean, I'm a Ricard Zan. Like he got destroyed by this twist, effectively. Yeah. So so yeah, not the most positive. But then again, like it wasn't that bad of a twist. Yeah. I mean, as far as things like a challenge advantage is whatever. This actually was a fairly substantial one. Like mm-hmm. seems like she had like a decent head start on everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, like, I'm glad it wasn't something worse. Like, I'm really glad it wasn't an idol or something like that. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I like that you mentioned that uh, they kept flashing in and out because what I was trying to figure out was did everybody have the same puzzle or not? Because they'd flash it and then it'd vanish and then it'd come mm. back. I'm like, that word there before, you know, like, I, you know, it is a little hard to figure out. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um. So yeah, I mean, we, we go there. And I guess now let's go through the people. We'll go through them in kind of their boot order. Um, and yeah, so we'll start here with Ricard. So we see the end of Ricard's journey here. And it was kind of sad because he, he didn't get to look very good this week. You know what I mean? Like we, we kind of get him not realize his people are turning on him. Is sort of the story, right? And then when he does, he puts a plan in motion and it, it doesn't work. Um... But yeah, like, what did you make it work hard this week, Joe? I think hmm, it's now that we're at the end, it's a very hard story to judge because I feel like I saw the signs all throughout. Like, Ricard never graced my contenders list. And this episode just felt like so, like, what I expected. Like, oh, Ricard is obviously a threat. I think it's weird how he gets to say these extremely glowing things about himself. Like, I am one of the greats. It's just so, I think my problem is with the indistinctness of the season it's like are you really one of the greats like i don't fully believe that it feels very exaggeration for the sake of exaggeration so so yeah i thought that was weird i mean it's still positive i think but but yeah sort of what i expected yeah um i totally agree i mean i think that it almost feels like they did him dirty right like they leave him just Mm -hmm. there and like i i'm not like you i'm not as perfect where i did have ricard on my chart um on episode 11 he showed there once um but in general i was not a ricard believer he just didn't have a story basically um and that mm. to me was completely disqualifying and then at the end i'm like oh maybe it is just like a ben situation i guess um but he was number two but yeah i mean i think that to me this is actually one of the biggest botches of the season like i think that they did a good job with ricard but, like, the fact that he's out there at the end getting, like, hero music about being one of the best ever, that's not how they built him. They built Shan as one of the best ever. And they built Ricard mm-hmm. as somebody who killed Shan, right? Like, yeah, there's some credit yeah. there, but it's not like you're, like, you know, like, in 10 seasons or 10 years or whatever, when you look back at this season, you're going to remember Shan and you might like ricard but like like you know you're, you're gonna be compiled like in the same way that um uh who's a good example and um like, like david versus goliath like like there's some people who beat christian like a uh an allison or something or a davy davy is a great example you like davy when you're watching the show you think he's great he gets build well and everything like that. Ten years from now, you're going to remember Christian, even though Davey did better than Christian. That was the relationship that Ricard and... I, and that's, like we just saw, I could not remember Davey uh, for a second. Uh, but I, I would not forget Christian. Despite the fact that Davey did better, by and large, was probably the better player technically um, and, and did better. I think Ricard is kind of that to Christian. It's like... Yeah, Shan left at eighth, but when you look back at the season, it's the season of Shan. Um, and Shan's going to be the one being celebrated as one of the best ever, not Ricard, I think. And having him kind of mm-hmm. just coldly in there without the story to back it up kind of just made him look arrogant. I saw a lot of backlash, actually, to Ricard. Not like the clapping for David right that we saw in Christian X, for example. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's sort of the flag bearer for, I think, the Erica win. 
like if anyone was really stumping for Erica on that jury, it's Ricard. So I don't know, given the sort of if the editors felt like Xander should have won and they feel like Ricard's to blame for that. Maybe that's yeah. why there's this little sort of twistiness with the edit. Joe, that's exactly what yeah. I thought. Leaving the episode, I'm like, oh, they don't like Ricard. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like They see Ricard as responsible for Erica winning or, or something like that, and they're not happy about that. It's 100% the vibe I got, and it makes so much sense. Like uh, Maybe it's they didn't think he was a great character or something like that, which I think if they thought that, they're wrong. He's super captivating, but maybe that's what they thought. But yeah, it it did feel like they didn't quite want to give him his due. And then they kind of, but at the same time, I think did see him as a very good player. So wanted to give him like his flowers a little bit. But I I think that, I actually think this was just a failure. I don't think they were trying to make him look bad, but they did. Like they made him look like a, like an arrogant jerk, basically. Um, Like a self-congratulatory, you know, like unearned, like arrogant guy at the party who's bragging about his internship coming up next semester or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it just like, (laughs) you don't get the sense that he's actually earned this. And yeah, I mean, I really love Ricard. He's my favorite other than Shan this season. And it did feel a little bad that his send-off was this. Yeah. Um, And so obviously we see him uh, basically, I think having kind of a powerful moment with Xander. I thought mm-hmm. that was a very good TV moment to sort of capture and watch that. It was the only ba- bad part about that is like, have we seen Ricard and Xander interact before that? I feel like no, the answer is no. I mean, other than that one time when he told Xander to use his idol, but that was very like, I feel like he was trying to get him out mm-hmm. and flush his idol. So yeah, I think, I mean, that's the thing is I feel like they really told us a lot about relationships instead of ever showing. Yeah. And I don't know what their challenge was in that, but I really don't get it. Like a lot more showing. Let, let's go further. Right. So Ricard and Xander apparently have this Jay and Adam style relationship. Right. And that scene in Millennials for Gen X pops so hard. Right. It's, you know, they're, they're rivals, they're frenemies. Like, as they say, you know, there's this on and off back and forth friendship, but there's this deep respect. We've never seen them talk and they're doing this. It's similar to Ricard back in episode like four or five. I make, we both make the criticism of like Ricard and Shan are having this like deep, like they're almost like a, like a married couple bond. And we've barely seen them talk about like why they like each other. You know what I mean? Like we have no concept of this. We only have this like vague negativity of their resentment of each other. Like in Mm -hmm. general, they just didn't show Ricard's relationships. I have no idea why, like even Ricard standing for Erica at the end, like we've never seen them speak really. Like we saw no indication that they liked each other. If anything, I think you would get the inclin. Like if you were to really like take what the episode showed you, I think you draw out that Ricard thought he could use Erica, not that he loved her. Yeah, I think a lot of the season hinges on the relationships Ricard had, and they just never gave us opportunity to see those relationships like happening. Like we were told, or we were inferred that Ricard and Shan were a thing. We were told very late that Ricard and Xander were close. We were told very late that Ricard and Erica were close. Like, never shown scenes of these things happen. Even them joking around or, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 would, I would say that we did see Ricard and Shan be close eventually, and it was that reward, right? That's where you get the sense, oh, these people actually 
have a strong bond with each other right at the um mm. <laughs> the best reward of this season that one that's yeah. where you're like oh i get it they're they're best besties for life that's actually i think the episode shan mm. leaves um but in general i mean a couple times you see it with shan and ricard but yeah like erica and ricard it's like i would assume that he's like in confessional twirling his mustache about how he thinks she's stupid and he's playing her you know what i mean like that's the relationship that we're kind of sold on tv only for then it to turn out that they're like best friends for life it is very odd and he's gonna be my vote for what they got wrong i really think that this on the beach is a story about ricard and i think they chose to show pretty much anything else they could other than that story mm-hmm I think, um, oh gosh, I've lost my train of thought. I think, okay, what I, I don't know what they're asking in confessionals. They could be asking this, but I feel like the season could just benefit a lot more from showing the answers to the perspective question of who do you like and who do you dislike? I feel like we're seeing a lot of like, what is your strategy focus questions or like, what are you doing in the game? But like, we've strayed away from the relationships. Yeah. And I think that's what I want to see more of. I want to see like people having fun and then and reinforcing that by being like, I like Shannon, this is why. Yeah. Or this is how me and Erica have grown close in this Yeah, game. dude, like, Token like Cheens does a great example, like, great job of that, right? You get the, you still know everything that happens in the strategy and everything like that, but imagine the season where they, JT's the winner, and they don't show the story of how why, how everybody likes JT, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that's part of that story is look at JT, JT being funny, look at him being charming, look at him spitting his tooth out in the challenge. Like, that's part of it, right? Is, oh, look at them having fun together, right? Like, it doesn't work when they're just, like, empty strategy vessels. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, I really do think Ricard deserved better. Um, He did get billed as a threat, but I don't think he got billed as a, like... A, a likable uh social navigator you know what i mean like it seems like all these people loved him and had a really hard time voting him out xander knew that voting him out was the was the the best move and really really seemed to genuinely struggle with it that's not the character we saw we did not see a character that would make someone cry voting them out we saw somebody mm-hmm. that would you know take monopoly too seriously and ruin game night yeah and and that's the issue the characterization mm-hmm. i think of these people in general that made the final five was sloppy and i don't think that's I, I think it's what their character traits are. Because I think Ricard is a strategy god. I do think he's really smart. He's really capable. But it's clear that he's also really funny. And I, I think that's key that we missed, basically. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I'll have that complaint going forward with a bunch of these people. And then when yeah. we talk more generally about the season. Yeah. So I guess let's jump to Heather. So Because, yeah, I think this one seems like another a bizarre treatment. For the character that Heather was in this season. Yeah, totally. Um, I honestly, like, we really, I think, were predicting, like, there must be more, you know? And there wasn't. Like, her Ponderosa was really funny. She was really likable in it. Um, I, I don't really mm-hmm. get what they did. Last week, I think we offered the theory that actually, if you're going to ignore somebody 
this is a good version of ignoring people. I think I agree with that, to be honest. Like, you know, at the end of the day, the audience knows who Heather is in this story. They know there's somebody who's never going to give up, even if they're not great at things, and they're nice, right? Effectively, I think that's basically mm-hmm. the characteristics that you need to know about her. I think my hot take might be of everyone except for Deshaun was the the best characterization was actually Heather. It was very simple and basic, but it was like at least a character. You at least understand she's the nice older lady who will never give up, even though she's outpaced in challenges. Like that's, that's a character. Um, whereas I think a lot of these people were not really full 3d characters. Like Ricard was not a full 3d character at all. Uh, I think Heather was, it was just a boring character. And I think my other hot take is they could have made Heather a lot more interesting. So it's it's a catch twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm in a similar boat where I think I thought right after she lost the fire making challenge, like, oh, Heather's story was actually really good. Like it was this positive story of never giving up and just like falling short at the last minute. But then I think yeah, they could have done more. Like maybe it's the Heather fan in me because I am now a huge Heather fan. Like she has by the end slotted perfectly into what I come to Survivor for. But like the Heather winner edit would have been so interesting and refreshing after so many seasons of like older women not getting credit like it's a really easy one to just have them fall short and then you don't have to worry about like a final tribal council where they may or may not have got it credit but i don't know i feel like you could have done it like there was there was room there and instead they they gave her this weird slight that worked in a way for the story but also still feels like some sort of punishment we never got the crime for yeah i think that's that's i think a good read like you're right i think they actually did uh i think there actually would have been the the foundation for the revelation of heather Mm -hmm. and that's kind of interesting is i you know i think they actually did thread the needle i did feel bad for her when she lost um the people i was watching with were like oh that's sad like they didn't want her to win but they had an appreciation for heather what they told in this story actually made them you know give a shit about heather that's impressive for how little she was on the screen and Mm -hmm. i i do think it's a weird mixed bag where if you're gonna invisible somebody effectively this is probably the best purple adjacent character we've ever had i think yeah that said should purple characters exist is another is the other side of it right like this is somebody who actually seems like they could be fun and dynamic and instead we're we're left with nice lady uh and i I think that there's a it's like you want to celebrate Okay, whatever. If you're gonna, if you have to purple some people, this is a good version of it. Why did we purple Heather? Is the other question. That's the bad version of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think I think the editors really did have this big challenge with. They had two tribes where really compelling characters made the merge, and they had to give credit to them as other people in their tribe left. And then they had all of Luvu, which your first two to leave from that tribe are like very interesting characters in Sydney and Nasir. And then you have the other four, which are interesting, but not like over the top, I think. I think you could say Deshaun's over the top, but yeah. Sure. Um, so it's I, I think their biggest challenge was how do you make space for everyone mm-hmm. on this season? Like you cast too good a cast. 
and you need to show everyone. Um, and they they didn't hit that balance quite right, and it resulted in Heather's edit, which just feels feels weird. It does, yeah. So. I mean, the other things I think to talk about here are, I mean, we see Heather correctly identify that Erica is the threat. That's basically her role, right? Is to say, yeah, I'm ignored, but I know people, and Erica's gonna beat you, Xander. Is basically what they use mm-hmm. her role as, right? She's a prophet. She's a that that's her role in the story is basically exposition. And yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it. We did see this like interesting talk between Heather and Erica um at the steak dinner, uh, where I was like, oh my god, is Heather gonna get medevac like Joe Del Campo eating too much steak? <laughs> I really thought that might be what was happening. Um, as we continued to think, what is the Heather conspiracy theory? But um we see them, I think sum up why the editors had such a hard time they have a conversation where they're like i'm the older lady and i have a lot you know a lot of issues getting respect and you're the tiny um woman who's good at challenges and is underestimated look how we still got here even though nobody thought we could in the game and didn't treat us as serious players basically right like they have that talk and like, oh, yeah. so they actually were seen as like the bottom feeders. You know what I mean? Like, it really is actually a story of how um, Erica and Heather are playing this extremely under the radar game and they're kind of seen as numbers and everyone's mad at the other three, right? Like, or other two, I guess, right? Like, that's kind of effectively the story of probably what happened on the beach. Mm-hmm. I think in this season, they sort of wanted us to look at those first episode, like questions on the boat a little bit stronger because Heather and Erica both got yep. those and Heather is this really notable one where she talks about how she's watched for 20 years and Erica talks about how excited she is and I think we're so used to blowing them off and being like oh that's they just had to give questions to people but here it was super important because it's people who I don't think you look at as threats mm-hmm. and their trajectory through the season doesn't put them as sort of like really strategic movers but they both make it to the final four and ostensibly both could win like does does Heather win in a Heather Xander Deshaun Deshaun wins or Xander wins I, I I don't know I really don't know. So, but yeah, I think they they still somehow undersell these two because I think if they oversell it, then are they being too obvious? Yeah. No, that's the thing, right? Think, is we'll get there with I Erica, think, but I have a I have some hot takes there on Erica's edit. I think ultimately, throughout what all I'm speaking, I sympathize with the editors because I think more than ever, it's a very hard task to edit this season yes. and get it right, whatever that means. Because I can't even tell you like what was the right thing to right. do. So Joe, I'm um, going to interject an idea here. I was going to talk about it with Erica, but I think it's actually a fine place to do it. I think that Survivor actually has sort of an inherent um, storytelling crisis going on. And what I think that is, is we saw two characters that were underestimated in the game go on to kind of balloon beyond that and win, right? The issue Mm -hmm. that Survivor is going to have moving forward, and this has always been an issue, is they only have 44 minutes. How do you tell the story of somebody that's underestimated in a way that is captivating and interesting that doesn't invisible them, right? You have two options to show underestimation. You can show them not be involved in things and then slowly become involved in things, which is effectively what we saw, right? We saw Erica not get as much credit early and then get more credit. And by credit, I mean screen time later, 
right? That's one way to tell that mm-hmm. story is, look, they're so not relevant right now. We're only going to show what's relevant. Um, and eventually our winner will eventually, uh, a moment will happen that will cause them to be more relevant moving forward. Um, that's one way to do it. The other way is the much maligned Michelle Fitzgerald edit, where that's Erica and Michelle probably have the same winner's story. Maybe Michelle had a better social game from what we can tell. But at the end of the day, Michelle was going to get voted out on the beauty beach. Um, if they lost, they didn't. Um, and then did better at the merge and everything like that. Erica maybe was a little bit more strategic. Michelle's maybe a little bit more social, but similar stories. Michelle's edit, they instead choose to give her credit the entire season. And it's super clunky and weird. And Co Wrong, honestly, I think suffers as a season because of all these weird Michelle confessionals they give of like, I did really bad in a challenge and that's why I'm going to win the game. Like she gets like winner quotes off of this random stuff and her story is about being underestimated as well. And how they choose to say that is get her to say that she's underestimated all the time. And it makes everybody keenly aware that Michelle's going to win. What's better? Uh, and, and how else do you do it? And I think that's an interesting question with an uh, underestimated winner on the beach. You have to tell the story of how the people around them don't estimate much of them and they're actually not doing much at, in the early game but rise up to do more. There's not a good way mm-hmm. to tell that story. And that's, I think, an actual crisis for survivor storytelling. Yeah, I, I think that's very well put. I'm trying to think, that, like, what is the solution? Because it is really just this issue of, like, how do you give more more credit to a less visible character? Yeah, how do you give more credit to just... a character that's not getting credit in the moment without unjustifiably giving them credit for not getting credit. And is it just like, not like focusing more on even storytelling across the board so that your, your bigger winners, your Tonys are evenly edited, but also your Erica's have an even edit. And so, because I think if you just do seasons with an underestimated winner as these very even edits, it doesn't work. <laughs> like, cause then you're like, oh, it's the person who are underestimating and is sort of, um, what's like waiting the curve almost. Yeah. Like, you're waiting for the fulcrum point, right? Like th- that's basically um, what we see. Right. And from the sounds of things, it's probably what actually happened. But yeah, well, like, I don't know if there is a good answer. I think the answer might be just show their personality more and that's it, Mm -hmm. right? Show them just having like funny conversations or things that aren't like, and like, you don't need to tie that funny because that that would happen with Michelle, right? She'd have a funny conversation and then it would be, and this is how this funny conversation is going to parlay into the future of my survivor strategic strategy. I'm balancing relationships and like, you'd be like, oh my God, like, like. That doesn't like you had a funny scene happen. Say something funny, right? Like, um, yeah, that's, I think the answer is that they actually just have to treat these people like people not trying tying it into this broader narrative almost. Right. Like that's the key is like, how do you show somebody wins a jury vote in the end? Cause they're likable. Well, you show them being likable and that's it. You don't need to tie it into their strategic game all the time. And you don't have to not put them on the show. Right. That would be my vote, but it's also mm-hmm. a really difficult needle to thread and i don't that's why i give them a little bit more credit than i think the broader survivor community is very mad at the erica story but we'll get there yeah and i think a good example is maybe fabio Mm. like they didn't go so heavy like he got that very blatant like this is how i'm playing the game but it wasn't every moment like there was tons of wackiness in there and it it kept you on your toes especially with all these strategists around and people with really compelling stories to tell joe that's an Um, amazing example right because the story of nicaragua is how being funny matters right like how being charming and magnetic matters 
to the strategic game, not how being funny and magnetic is strategic, right? Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, you can win friends and influence people by just being a cool, fun dude, not just being like, it doesn't have to like, like the story of Fabio is not how he thinks the spider monkey talking about spider monkeys having sex is gonna make people like him more it's that's his personality he's a funny guy that's how he wins yeah yeah i think the important thing to take away from that is they got fabio's edit right but they also got edits around him right so that there was always this like oh fabio has an interesting edit but look at jane look at holly look at <laughs> like chris or jason's stash like they all have interesting edits that make you unsure for i think right it. and they're different so. philosophies of what survivor is right like Chase mm -hmm. is fairly strategic and cutthroat. Fabio is lovable and an underdog, right? Like, and, and what does it mean when a lovable underdog goes up against the strategic cutthroat country singer, right? Like, it's an interesting philosophical discussion. I don't even love Nicaragua, but that story is well told, right? Marty is pure strategy, right? Like, is your traditional winner. Like, that's how you do that is you uh, flush out the rest of the characters. And I actually agree. I think that the failure, and spoiler alert, I think failure of the story is not Erica's edit. I actually think it's the characterization of these other people. And Heather. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess that's Heather. Um, and let's jump here to Xander, who I think kind of plays into what we're saying. Um... I really think that Xander, it's weird because you have to hype him up, right? Like, and I think we've finally seen why his edit's so weird. Um, It's because he's a zero vote yeah. finalist. And all season, I've been kind of using the line of like, this should be every single player, at, person at home's favorite player because it's your jungle boy who's actually strategic. So he's like a Malcolm, but he's even more athletic than Malcolm. Uh, but he, he might even be more strategic than Malcolm, honestly. Like, more overtly strategic anyway, um, who's super funny and charismatic, maybe not as charismatic as Malcolm, but similar. Like this could be your next like survivor icon in Xander. And instead we got like kind of a muted inconsistent mess, honestly, of a story. And I do think that we saw why. It's because he's a zero vote finalist and they were scared they weren't going to be able to justify it. And they still kind of failed. Yeah. Like he was still people's favorite and people are now not the happiest that he's yeah right like look at twitter so, that's why his edit was bad yeah. they had to they had to pump show the highlights but also show why he's childish more we got those scenes with tiffany Definitely. early on um we didn't get enough of it and i think that's the issue is this came like a like honestly if we weren't doing this show if i didn't view this season or view this game under like a narrative literary lens I would, I would probably also be like, why did Xander lose? They did not justify that at all. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the tricky thing is maybe there weren't really these moments of overt childishness or like buffoonery to show. And they therefore like, it was more these vibes that the jury had and could get, but then they couldn't show them well. And I think, yeah, it just, they, it just feels like they towed this line of like, Here's an interesting character who gets a lot of advantages and plays to a lot of the big moves, but doesn't win. I, I, I it's a huge challenge. Like I don't know what what you could do better. Really, right. And I guess on the flip side, there. I mean, uh, you know, 
Ozzy loses the season, right? Ozzy loses Cook Island, spoiler alert. And I think that is actually fairly well told. But the, the difference is that they basically are saying, well, Yule was better. It wasn't Ozzy's bad. It was, oh, Ozzy was so close, but look how good Yule is, right? Um, and how mm-hmm. did he ever bet against Yule? The issue is that they're like, look how cool Xander is. But like, you know, he's cool, but like, you know, he's not there all the time, maybe, kind of. And Erica's okay. Like, that's kind of how they tell it, basically. Um, yeah, I think the big struggle was that they didn't show Erica as better. Mm-hmm. Like, Erica was clearly better to the jury, but they never could do that or never set them apart even. Yeah, really I don't think the editors the had a concept of why or mm-hmm. or maybe didn't want to believe why or or something. Like, there was, there was something there. That they were not willing to do or, or or something, right? Like, they clearly really had a lot of appreciation for Xander and what he brought to the season. And honestly, Joe, I think in this situation, I think the answer is just, just show Xander more. But realistically, mm-hmm. that could be, like, the issue with this kind of thing is, th- like, if you hu- hype up Xander too much, you might lose people watching Survivor next season. Yeah. And, and that's their that's primary like- concern. <laughs> If it's not a show that's like, I think, yeah, if you hype up Xander and then he still loses, like, you're like, well, this show isn't like valid or yeah. it doesn't produce good results. The best football so team isn't it. winning the Super Bowl. Why should I care about football anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Um, but I think, I think the thing is what they did still didn't work. Agreed. So it's like, <laughs> like, you got to find a, better solution like i don't know if like showing xander even less is like maybe the better option i think because then at least people don't care as much yeah i mean that's unfortunate though right because then you're sandbagging your own show to not upset people and and that's you know like your own narrative right like xander does give good confessionals xander is interesting Mm -hmm. um should people be harassing people on social media because xander lost no should they stop watching survivor because xander lost no but realistically we know that's the world we live in and to me, the answer is just maybe throw the show more of an understanding of how this person could lose, even if you're not happy about it. Right. Like, surely they can sp- put some, uh, like, dodo music behind things he says every now and then or something. Like, even if even if they loved him and he was glowing and perfect, like, throw some dodo music on there. Maybe it'll change enough people's minds to not be upsetting. But yeah, they were in a tough spot here, right? It's a, it's a hard story to tell. Um, or maybe it wasn't and they did a bad job. It's hard to know. But my my gut read is that these people are pretty talented at their jobs and they do try their best. Um, and I think they were probably just really scared of overselling him. So they just gave him this like weird murky edit that didn't make any sense. And so I, I guess my take is don't do this in the future. Find a better path. Unfortunately, we don't have the best answers there for you. I think the answer might be show that childish stuff. So show the lack of self-awareness that clearly was important to the jury a little bit more. But in general, I do empathize with, with the struggle there. That's not easy. Yeah, I think editing Survivor must be like this puzzle. And I think more than anything it's a trial and error puzzle mm-hmm. where your first solution is what gets aired on tv and then your your result whether it's correct or not is like viewers and reactions yeah, like I- and so yeah it's a puzzle where you get one shot for a correct answer and so yeah i, I don't know what to tell you totally <laughs> and like my background is in like film editing right and like the classic film line is like your favorite movie is gonna be a disaster if somebody else edited it 
right? Like that's the thing, right? Editing is an art form. Like showing what it gets makes the cut and what doesn't is purposeful. Takes a lot of attention. It's really difficult. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, poor Xander here is uh kind of in a no win situation. It's like, do you make the movie worse or do you make it more palatable so people buy the sequel? And they're basically being tugged tugged between these two things, two ideas simultaneously, and it's not easy. Um, that said, basically what they do say for Xander's story is, is that Xander should have won, but they bill him almost as a woo-like figure who makes the wrong choice, right? A Nora or a woo or a, a Colby Donaldson, right? Uh, mm-hmm. basically the story that they tell is that Xander's so good. Xander's so full of potential. He's just a kid. Um, and I think that's the Jeff Probst speech when he wins the final immunity I think is meant to be an exploration to the audience of why he lost. And it's, oh, Xander, you're just a kid. You've been dreaming about this for a long time, right? He's like, yeah, I have uh, that sort of speech. And from that moment onward, it's like, oh, he's, yeah, he's great, but he's also juvenile. And that's why he's making the biggest mistake in Survivor history and bringing Erica, right? Like, that's what I think they're trying to, that's the story that they've tried to tell. I guess, to me, that kind of worked. Just because they did overtly say that Erica's going to win. I don't know if it's the best storytelling tactic, but that's what they tried to explore. Yeah, mm-hmm, I agree. Um, he did have some funny lines, I think, in this episode. I really liked him being like, I can survive outside forever. You can't. Haha. Like, joke's on you. I really liked that stuff. He was, he was like, really likable in this episode, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, an interesting character overall. I think it's one of the ones where, because I look at it through this lens, I, like, lose the value of Xander. I think you're right. Like, if I weren't so involved, I'd be like, yes, I want Xander to win. But because I've been looking at this character and knowing he's drawing dead, it seems, for so long, I didn't value him as a character, I think. Yeah, I mean, I try to view it as like, what if I'm a casual fan? Like, the people I was watching with wanted Xander to win. And to yeah. me, that means that they kind of did their job badly. Um, but said Levy. Um, and obviously, we see a couple moments at Final Tribal that they basically try to justify why he lost. Like, he can't come up with an answer why he's not self-aware. But I, I really think that's the issue. Is they do these, like, quick tricks to, like, look, that's why he didn't win. But there's no depth or complexity there, I think, is the, the resounding issue, I think. Yeah, and I think it feels bad to be like, oh, look at this amazing person. And he loses because he can't, like speak like he doesn't have public speaking skills just like many of you out there right and like that doesn't feel good (laughs) like how dare he take a moment to think about an answer before he responds you know Mm -hmm. like being able to hip fire thoughtful commentary is a niche narrow skill yeah you know like it's i don't know i I, to me it was not a good exploration of why he lost but that's kind of what they try to sell is you know he messed up picking erica should have picked tether which fair the decision to pick erica did seem very stupid to me but at the same time he said he didn't really view a difference between erica and heather and it seems like the game didn't either until ricard started standing for erica right yeah yeah i'm very curious what a like final tribal with erica and heather both in it looks like yeah i agree like i assume the jury like can sort of consensus towards one but maybe there is some debate there yeah i mean to me it it seems like they just didn't want tander to win you know like they just Mm -hmm. didn't really like him that much is the vibe that i got um yeah so let's jump here to deshaun who like i've been a i've been a cheerleader of deshaun all season long like I think they actually did a really good job telling a story until this episode. 
I don't really understand what they were doing here with Deshaun um, in the finale, but I feel like it, it was just like disjointed and weird. Yeah. I think looking at this final five, Deshaun is really the edit I'm the most happy with. Agreed. Like, I think it's a solid edit, especially for second place, especially in the way it almost tricked us into being like, maybe they're doing something new with Deshaun's like edit and that he's the winner. But I don't know, at the end, it did become this sort of like Deshaun is just kind of a mess and he really turned into like the goat of the final five. Yeah. Like you have Heather right there, but like Deshaun is the one who seems to always be drawing dead in the end like yeah he came second place but does seem like the jury was actually debating between xander and erica like he got a vote it was danny right yeah Yeah. so like you know he it's almost like um san juan del sur or something like that you know i mean where the the like the relatives are voting for each other um Mm -hmm. yeah like i don't know deshaun to me was actually a really well-told story until this episode. And I agree, even despite that, was the best story of this five. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense why he was, given what we knew preseason, underplayed. Yeah. Rather than sort of really hyped up as this. The amazing social player, I think he was for a lot of the game until it sort of yeah. did spiral a bit. I, I think that's the like thing, right? Think... Is I think this is, all season, I've been kind of banging the drum that this is a YX lost season. And... I, I think in many ways it actually is a Y Shan lost season, but I think Deshaun inherits that. I mentioned that last week that you can make a very convincing case that Deshaun inherited Shan's edit. I think a part of that is the why they lo- why they lose part of it. Like I, I think they actually <laughs> did tell a good story of why Deshaun lost, and it's like how this guy who is so likable and threatening at the merge that they were deciding like that's who got the votes right like deshaun got the votes and i think the brutality of the survivor game the relationships the having to balance um you know playing for yourself or playing for the culture all these factors i think broke deshaun down to the point where this super likable person we saw at the merge was not who we saw at the final tribal he was not as like fun and jovial and that sort of thing at final tribal he was he kind of seemed dejected and and i think that's because they were trying to tell the story of how survivors hard and i think the conditions were probably just hard for deshaun right i think it's a story of how this amazing player kind of loses the plot a little bit by the end and i think that by and large, by far the best story of um of this final five anyway. Yeah, and I think maybe the season. I don't yeah, know. maybe the season. Like it's him or Shan for me. Spoiler alert, but um, <laughs> one of those two for sure. Um, because they showed Deshaun warts and all, and that's why I wish he won. But it mm-hmm. also totally makes sense. It, it really they were showing his warts, you know, <laughs> with the warts and all analogy. It's like. Really, they were showing, look at this guy who deserves to be in the end, but also why he deserves to lose. I wish it would have just been why he deserves to win. But, you know, the jury did not take to his temper tantrums, which I did not love that being. Like, that felt like, like, that gave me, like, goosebumps or, like, the heebie-jeebies almost. Like, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Because I think it's almost a reverse of what we usually get where, like, if it's, like, if, if a man did this, like, it would be a strategy. But if a woman does it, it's, like, not great. So, like, yeah, I I don't really like that full narrative of, like, Deshaun was emotional. Yeah. And 
that's what cost him the game. Which I do think he was impulsive and like some of the moves he made there like did it, but I don't like throwing it on like him being able to show his emotions. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like he should be allowed to be emotional and play the game, right? And I, Mm -hmm. I really thought that was a little skeevy. That they were presenting it like, oh, how, like, like they even Shan at, at Final Tribal says, like, no, emotions are powerful. So then why are you, no, like, completely trashing Deshaun, who clearly played well, was dominant for a lot of the season, and then when he wasn't, showed that he could also play on the bottom too, right? Like, to me, Deshaun probably, like, I, I'm not really a, I'm a, whatever, jury votes, choose the winner and, and that sort of thing person, but, like, to me, it almost feels like Deshaun was robbed. Like, that's kind of the vibe i got because maybe he was emotional and and people don't like to reward that sort of thing but like he dominated a lot of the early merge made a move on shan that was maybe a little bit early but it didn't punish him and it punished other people why did it punish other people and not him well because he's got a really good social game he's really likable i think it's maybe the idea that the move did punish him it's just that he was the one who was able to survive like votes but like not of his own volition really like after shan goes liana and danny go but like it's not really that he was doing things to not be that person he just happened to be the one that was left over when they had to start going for threats yeah and i mean realistically he would have left at that liana vote if he what he didn't flip a coin basically yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean that's fair i don't know i just i feel like they could have i mean it it was a beautiful story so i don't want to give them flack there i think they actually did a good job here with deshaun you totally get why he lost um and I also think they did a good job of exploring why he lost, but in a way that wasn't, look how much of a fool Deshaun was. It was a respectful, this is why he lost. Yeah. Which I do appreciate, right? Like, it is good to know they do have a fondness for him. They clearly really liked him. And I'm I'm glad that's the case. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, and, I mean, I did think that the fire making between him and Heather was fun. It was kind of funny that it was like, you know, the two people that it seemed like the episode basically counted out by that point um, out in the fire. But it was kind of like, like, Joe, it looked like Heather's thing was made of like, like adamantanium or <laughs> <laughs> rope. Yeah, I don't know. I think that. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it is a perfect challenge because it is fire, but there's so many like factors that could go like weird or right. whether it's like, yeah, the actual rope itself or like a gust of wind just not being in the right spot for you. And like, I don't know. I, I almost would prefer like one of the like Redemption Island duels where it's more, more tangible. Yeah. No. What the victory condition like, is. I've always been a believer of the philosophy of if you're going to go on Survivor know how to make fire before you go right like that that should just be a thing that every single player is doing or else they don't want it enough but honestly i listened Mm -hmm. to a tyson apostle podcast this season that talked from somebody who's made fire who's confident making fires about the issues with the fire making challenge and that there's no way to replicate the actual conditions of survivor and it's made me kind of um reconsider that position like we saw deshaun evidently try this multiple days for like 26 days to get it right he still won the challenge 
but he struggled with it every day, right? Um, I don't think it would be fair to me to be like, Deshaun, how did you not know how to make it before you got there? Maybe he did, and it just wasn't applicable in the circumstances that he got there. I would definitely recommend listening to Tyson and Apostles podcast on The Ringer uh, about that. It was really good and definitely made me reconsider my my instinct there of like, oh, you just got to know. Because realistically, if I had to play, if we either of us had to play Survivor tomorrow, we wouldn't know how to make it. And even if we practiced, if we knew we were playing in March, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be living in Fiji. We wouldn't be living on a beach mm-hmm. with the air conditions a certain way, with the um, humidity in the air a certain way. Like, with the exact coconut husks they use. Like, there's a lot of variables and factors there that are actually really difficult to calculate for. Even just, like, stress in the moment is is another factor, right? Like, it's a lot harder. Yeah, when we were discussing it with other people, I think that was the biggest thing I thought of was, like, you can prepare a million ways, like, methodically and, like, with what you're working with. But, like, you're not going to recreate, like, living on so little sleep and sleeping on something uncomfortable and being, like, constantly wet and, like, stressed and thinking about the strategy of a game. Like, those things are not going through your mind. You are likely, like, in your cozy backyard starting a fire. Um, And you can go back inside once that fire started. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's just many more things to consider. I think there is something in knowing the basic patterns of it, but you can't, I think, judge in the moment whether they can get it done or not. Totally. Especially when, for the most part, when you're on a tribe, like, give it to the person who can do it. Like, you don't need to struggle for (laughs) hours of... Nasir's right there and can do it in five minutes. And the fact that there's a fire-making challenge that determines who's in the end, that if you're out there making fire all the time, people are going to realize they have to vote you in at five. Rip Jim. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's the counterpoint there for sure. So let's jump here to our main event and Erica. So Erica was my preseason winner pick with somebody that I did peg as a potential winner from like episode six. And still, I want to feel like this great sense of congratulations for myself, pat myself on the back. Same time, like I feel like in many ways, this was the ultimate mixed bag of a winner's edit. Like at the reunion or um, I don't know what we're going to call this. The after show. The after show. The after show. Jeff Probst <laughs> live there, like this is right after, talks about how before Hourglass Island, you were bad basically. And after, you were great. <laughs> and that's the story they told on the TV show. And at what point are we demanding Survivor to lie to us so that it fits a more conventional winner's edit um, of what, we com- what we've come to expect over 40 seasons? And, and then at what point are we asking, hey, this is the first woman winner many seasons and you gave her a story where she wasn't in it for half of the season and and i think that's the debate i'm having myself is from the merge onward we saw a dominant strong powerful player and from what i can tell it seems like that actually probably matches what the other people saw is they saw somebody who is a non-factor before the merge and very much a factor after the merge but at the same time Again, context matters, and this is the first woman winner since Sarah Lucina, and before then, um, a couple seasons as well. Like, in some ways, you see the argument of, well, you should and ought to um, explore that further so there's not a backlash, so there's nothing that way. But I, I, I'm at odds here, Joe. What's your thoughts on this sort of, like, push and pull? Hmm. 
I think it's a very tricky edit. I'm, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Okay, so first, I think talking about what was set up the after show, what kind of struck me is how the season almost was edited for what was being said there yes! at times. Like, it's not the winner's edit so much as the after show's edit. Like, things were leading to that. I don't have a another distinct example other than Erica here, but, like, there are definitely points where people brought up something. Like, Danny's mm-hmm. it. Like, Danny bringing that up. You have to have Danny saying that in the last episode. Um, and I think... I don't know if we'll see that continue as long as the after show is a thing and they need to do it live. Um, but I don't care for it. I feel like that's if that's your equivalent of the reunion, it is therefore after the season and therefore we shouldn't focus that into our our, our winner's journey. Um, yeah, I think my biggest thing with Erica is it's just this, this story told in such big strokes, I feel. Yeah. Like, yes, she wasn't there pre-merge but that's this big brush of well like a, an eraser almost like just not there um and then after yeah she's there and she's a threat but it's so it's always those big definites like erica is around erica is a threat never the intricacies of what she's doing or what makes yeah. her a, a real threat and maybe maybe the jury doesn't know maybe just the jury feels that erica was good and did a good job of navigating and that's hard to quantify but for a winner's edit it really did feel bad and i think it's tricky for someone who very clearly was so caught up in their own idea of the player they were which was this lamb to Mm -hmm. lion that they repeated the whole season that i think it's easy then to be like oh let's tell that story but in doing so they've then made their first female winner in seven seasons like another under edited winner and i don't know Right, like at what, like that's the fundamental question: is what is the responsibility? Right, mm-hmm. is it to tell the story authentically, or is it to tell the story in context of forty seasons of Survivor? And I think it's it's a hard one to nail down. I think you're exactly right. Like, do you tell the story of how Erica won authentically, where it seems like she rose to prominence at the merge, or do you tell the story of Erica being this, um, you know, celebration? of being the woman player to able to crack the code. And I, I agree. I think the other complicating factor is that it's clear she was talking specifically about one story and that's it, right? Like, they have so much footage that they air on the TV show of her talking about this lamb to lion thing. And Joe, I think the most illuminating aspect of this night for me, Joe, I think this is the first time the quote unquote under edited winner won. And the reason wasn't because they were nice. And Natalie White is an example of that, right? Uh, Why did Natalie White win over Russell? Russell was mean. Natalie was or Russell was mean, Natalie was nice, uh, good social game, that sort of thing. Why did Michelle beat Aubrey? Well, Michelle was nice, people liked Michelle, Aubrey was off-putting at times. Um, stuff, even Fabio, right? Like, why did Fabio beat Chase? Well, well, Fabio was nice, even even if he was goofy, they liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bob. Right, like, that's, that's the unifying quality of all these under-edited winners, right? Is they were nice, and the person they were up against was not. Eric? America, we mm-hmm. see in Final Tribal Council, the question she has to answer is why her social game was bad, right? That is the yeah. litmus test that the jury's putting her through. And we've never had that before. 
I think that Erica is a, actually a survivor first in terms of a Natalie White, but not even close. Like it's it, it's really like, what if Michelle won and Michelle wasn't the social game representative, right? Like Erica won off her positioning and that Ricard liked her and that she had strategic bonds with a couple people on the jury. But by and large, it seems like her social game was not good. And this is the first time we've ever had the quote unquote under-edited winner win and be the less social player. Xander was the social player, as we saw, and somehow Survivor is different to previous seasons where she's winning and the social player's losing. What do you make of that, Joe? Well, I would say I think Deshaun is sort of the social player, maybe. And I think there was this interesting, like, retelling of, like, what social game means. And Erica's very good answer, I think, to that question, which is, like, I made the right bonds. I think it's one thing to make all of the bonds, but it's more important to make the right ones that get you further in the game. And I, I think that's a really good answer. But, but yeah, I think you're right to an extent where Erica's focus wasn't that she was ever, like, the nice one. Well, I don't know if that's true, actually, because I think you can very easily see that Deshaun and Xander were quote unquote mean or like not uh, not appropriate isn't like the right word, but like just not nice, I guess. Um, but I think even with Erica, like all that focus on her saying hi to Jeff and being this <laughs> like beam of sunshine, like I think that's bolstering like this idea that she's like the the sunny choice, the like positive choice, yeah. the good choice. And so, yeah, I still think they they take an under-edited winner and they sort of always put it on this pillar of like, and this person's nice, so they deserve to win. When I think Survivor's very much moved past that. I like, agree. I, it, to me, it's two seasons. Two seasons where Tony's won, and you can't tell me like the nice person. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really interesting, right? Like, because it seemed like it seemed like Erica like ghosted people, right? Like, it seems like she was only <laughs> talking to a couple people, and for that reason, I actually kind of like Erica as a winner. Like, we've never seen one like Erica. And that's kind of fun. It's the person who was nice, but didn't have a good social game is almost the way to put it, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, uh, I think, a really, really interesting thing. Like, you're right. Like, the, saying hi to Jeff and, and that sort of thing. There's a lot of talking about how she looks nice almost, but isn't. But... Yeah, I, I I don't know. I do wish there was more meat on the bone. My biggest issue with Erica's edit is actually just the matter-of-factness that they do. This finale was unacceptable, I think, in how they treated Erica, in that they just treated her like a like a, a demigod among humans. You know what I mean? Like They were just like, mm -hmm. Erica's the best, and we're not going to explain why. She just is. She was born better, and that sort of thing. I really think that it was not good this week. But overall, I do think they actually did a good, authentic job of what Erica probably seemed like. But I do wish, like, show Erica being wrong sometimes. Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I have a lot of issues with how she's just presented as this almost... Um, she she can see the future in this season. I bet rewatching... Like, I have not rewatched yet. Um, maybe some of you folks have at home i bet it's obnoxious looking back like from the merge onward she is never wrong she's never challenged she's never in danger there's no adversity i mean 
she's never wrong pre-merge yeah she isn't like she she talks about like how who's playing on luvu and like what are her statuses i think i don't know we talked about penultimate episode weirdness and like how erica didn't have that and i think that's their one feeling was they could have really thrown us for a loop had they had erica like i don't know maybe that was the point with heather we're like oh my gosh heather's going for or erica's going for her closest ally heather and that was their moment of like meanness but it also like made sense yeah. um so yeah i think they were scared yeah. that the audience wouldn't buy erica as a winner and that's the vibe mm-hmm. that i get in general in her stories they do the job of the plot points like you know she's in danger she escapes she proves them wrong smashes the hourglass changes history is now a good player um the issue is i think like great players have wrong ideas sometimes right like or flawed execution or something like that and they just like put erica on her own island and they did this with tommy too and i hate this methodology like of they have to be this pure like they completely divorced tommy from all the ugliness of that season you know like Mm -hmm. it's not even like he is a is good or bad he's just not relevant it's like an old way of marketing of how corporations shouldn't at all engage in society you know they should not comment on political affairs at all and whereas now we kind of expect like no we want ben and jerry's to be give their peace on whatever event is happening right now right um and erica and tommy both feel like people who are just like the game is playing and they're also there giving their story like they aren't mm-hmm. uh, an, an active participant in the shenanigans going on they're just also there you know yeah i i don't know just it erica's another one to toss on the pile of like not fitting the story together well well, she fits the story. I mean, well, yeah, okay, sure. The story beats, but, like, I guess the people together is more my purpose. Because, like, the big concern, one of the big concerns with Erica is, like, oh, she's so close with Heather, and we learned that in episode 10. Like, why, how could she win if we didn't get this little, this bit yeah. of information pre-merge? And I think, yeah, it, it goes back to that point of not showing people who, like, who people like, who people dislike, yep. I think. And that's why Erica feels so, like, big strokes and also very yeah free of problems at the same time yeah like you could have told like i i'm i I know we kind of ragged on her merge episode just because she was saying like a lot but that content like was actually good right it was i loved when she sums up why her struggles are a love letter to her parents and that sort of thing right the actual delivery wasn't great but the content's great and erica's likable and erica's charming her confessional delivery at times is a little suspect but she's so likable that it, it, you can kind of brush past that i wish they went more that direction with her and i i think there's there's issues that way in terms of just like the, instead they're trying to justify her as a strategist and i think they probably could have just justified her as a cool person and mm-hmm. in general that's going to be my take on this season is they just they should have shown more you know why people like each other yeah and that's it yeah they're very into their players right now as chess pieces and like game bots even when they're not game even more than that honestly joe it's like it's game bots and chess pieces and that sort of thing but it's also like so much of this season is like what they represent to the culture right and Mm -hmm. that's awesome that's a cool story to tell but you also have to show like them being silly or, or or them being fun or what they what they dream about you know like mm-hmm. not just what they represent in 
as an allegory to the broader American culture. Like, also tell us the story of, like, why, I don't know, Erica's favorite food's pasta or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're missing is, like, not even their relationships, but, like, the the undercurrent of why people like each other. I think we almost got why they appreciate each other, but not why they like each other. Yeah, so much of these, like culture moments and like flashbacks to our lives it reaches outside of the game and we don't see them connecting with others and how that can how those moments can really connect them with other people i mean we got that a lot with deshaun and shan but like think about ricard's moment where he talks about how he's like hard of hearing yeah like we didn't see a single person in this season have a conversation with him about that i mean yeah other people are like wow i didn't know and then it's all about him coping with it which once again it's all cool but like it's not it's not like relating to like what is happening in the game and like, right how people might may view him or work with him or yeah yo i had a friend what? when i was in like grade seven and they loved dinosaurs and i didn't but i've always had an appreciation for you know what makes other people love things and our friendship was not based on our mutual love of dinosaurs but on the fact that we had an understanding that even if you loved something like dinosaurs and instead i love something like reality tv shows filmed on an island we both loved loving things and uh he would make dinosaur jokes and i would make video game jokes or something like that and, and that's how our friendship forms and it's not a commentary on what dinosaur lovers mean to the broader concept of american life it's i as a person who didn't know a whole lot about dinosaurs still could kind of keep up with the dinosaur joke and I think that's the missing piece is we see Ricard give this amazing confessional about his uh, his being hard of hearing um, and how that adds a complication to his survivor game. We never see that conversation bridge into, okay, well, what's my version of that? What's, what's my history? What's, you know, like, how do we cope together? That's Mm -hmm. what we're missing. We see people be surprised. We don't see people be accommodating or friendly or joking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We don't get any, yeah, just a lot of moments where like something happens and then we're not getting the second perspective on it like in any way right like it could be like i've never like what if instead shan had a confessional where she's like wow you know in this game i'm wrestling with identity and i've never interacted with somebody who can't hear in their right ear and that's changing how i view the world right that's that's something that should have been in this season Mm -hmm. or like any of like danny's story really like there's a lot of like you could start that scene in the second or in the episode where he wins immunity being like, I don't know, Heather's like, something's up with Danny yeah. today. He's just a bit different or distant. Instead, we go like straight to Danny being like, I don't feel the same today because it's this day for me. And then it's all this like individual development. Right. No, you're so totally I, right. They're, they really, go like, it's like they have their moment of, um, you know, revelatory content. And it's okay. Now you, it's almost like now you go off to Ghost Island, right? Yeah. Like now Danny's going to have his inner struggle which was beautiful which was powerful but we don't know he says sorry if i feel different today but we actually don't know if he is feeling different today like we don't know if other people realized at all Mm -hmm. and and that's actually really troubling um i agree i think that's actually if, if we were to dilute the issue with the season in general i think it would be that idea 
Um, so let's jump here to, we've kind of done like a little mock award ceremony here, uh, in terms of uh, a couple of questions and that sort of thing. So let's start with the positive. Uh, and we'll get more negative as we go, Joe. Um, so I think first off we have what, what they got right, what the story and narrative team behind Survivor got right. My number one category or nomination here is the cast. This is maybe I'll say top five casts they've ever assembled in Survivor. It's mm. really good. Yeah, I think everyone had their their part to play in the story. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird to think of Heather as this like the worst edited person when she had this very complete story and like fills it so well. And then you think of like everyone else, and it's like, but they all had an interesting story too. Like um, I know you have to think sort of back to those first episode boots to be like, yeah, like I didn't get a full picture of these people but everyone else like makes sense and i think that's because they're strong characters and yeah like we were talking about almost this i want to call it like emotional solitaire where like everyone got their moment but sometimes it was just in their own lane and never crossed with other people's lanes but they did that really strongly and it showed this strong cast. Yes. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like, there's maybe, like, I think you could argue maybe Jeannie was a dud and maybe, I don't know, Abraham was a dud. But I think Abraham probably could have been more interesting if he wasn't the first boot, a double boot mm-hmm. in the first episode. And other than that, it's a good cast. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. and there's no doubt there. Like, I think you could bring any of these people back including those two i mentioned i bet they'd be pretty interesting um so that's Mm. awesome good on survivor um that said i agree like maybe there's value in having some less good people on a cast potentially Hmm. like do you put all 20 or 18 i guess in this case great captivating people on a season or you know if you have a couple people who are not so interesting maybe you throw them on here and that way all these characters get more flesh i don't know i feel like that's not the answer i think it's good to start with these 18 and then have more interplay and have more honestly more peaks and valleys like mix some of heather's episodes with like shan's episodes yeah or like anywhere between um just to like mix it up and give people their due um sooner than maybe they're ready to be relevant in the story even yeah like Like, one thing i noticed joe with what you're saying about like them editing it editing it for the after show nasir was all over that after show yeah and i i mean we had him pretty high we noticed a lot of edit manipulation with nasir I think it's because of that. I think they really genuinely liked him, but also mm-hmm. he had a huge part in that after show. Yeah. Yeah. I just think, I don't know. I, I think they did well with the cast, but work to mix it together. Like you have strong characters now, let them collide. Yes. And maybe that's not as good as their like singular moment, but I think it'll be better for the story as a whole because we're seeing a moment. Yeah that means something to how this game plays right like totally like tiffany is so funny all throughout the season but her funniest moment is when she's making fun of xander and she's rolling her eyes Mm -hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing right like it's almost like do less confessionals survivor micronesia is a spectacular season and it's the season with the fewest confessionals in Survivor history. And and I mm-hmm. think that's a factor. Like, y- like this season, you can definitely read the story of the season through. Like, the, the, the confessionals are almost like the script and nothing else matters. Like, if you read just, like, um... Shout out to... Who is it who's doing these? Um... Ooh, um... 
I don't want to give them their credit. And the edge of uh, the edge of sanity on Unspoiled Edge did uh, the confessional transcripts. And if you just read those, I think it's even more obvious that Erica wins. Like, you ignore everything else, you read the confessionals, and it tells this story. That's unfortunate, because mm-hmm. this is a visual show with conversations and tribal council and challenges and all this stuff. And you can read this confessional transcript, which is very well done, great job, uh, and get the exact story of the season. And that's a little unfortunate. Um, and I, I hope they work on that. But yeah, I think I think in general, the cast, great, exceptional, positive thing to talk about here. Um, mm-hmm. I loved like the and another nomination I would have here is I think that they did a beautiful and poetic job of telling the story of what identity and a personal game relate together. I thought that was a beautifully told story. A lot of that is on the back of the Sean specifically, and his story was fantastic. And I have almost no complaints with that whole side of things. And I think that story is the one that divorces itself from the individual narrative the most. And I think that's why it's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think not that it's bad to do it any way you can, but I think they did a good job of bringing it into the story in ways that felt natural and genuine. And I think that helps helps improve the show, but it also is going to do the most to convince people that like maybe their beliefs aren't as, as solid as they oh. think they are. Yeah, like... So. I mentioned this a lot that I think this would actually be a really great first season um, to watch if you're recommending it to a friend because of that stuff, because it does do a really good job of showing something you've never seen before in 40 seasons. We've barely seen two people of color interact in the game of Survivor in 40 seasons Mm -hmm. of our favorite show that we choose to do podcasts about. And, And we haven't seen two people with different life experience speak very often. How sad is that? And how cool is it that this season we got that in spades? And I really do hope this continues to be the future of Survivor. I love that the first time this is happening, they chose to treat it as such a big deal. That is the thing I will remember the most about this season. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Like, especially Deshaun's story and Danny's story and Shan's story. Um, and I don't want to randomly discount Liana as well, right? Like, that story was really well, beautifully told. Um, and like, honestly, this might be the season where I felt the most emotion and that's um, other than millennials for Gen X. Cause that was a lot. Um, but like a very powerful emotional resonance season. And I think they nailed every single one of those scenes. And to be honest, Joe, if you would have asked me if they would have nailed these topics before the season, I would have said, no, I would have said it would have been very clunky and not bad. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts other than this on like what they got right? I don't think so. I can't think of anything other than, those two i mean that sounds really negative but like a big deal those are two really positive qualities yeah and i think it's harder to to find those moments because i i still do speak as someone who really enjoys this season and so like before we get to like what's wrong with this season i think there is a lot to enjoy here and it a lot of it feeds into those two points but i think there's other things that are maybe harder to put into definite words i read yeah like i think there's like in general i think it's that the cast was good they delivered um the stories were i think pretty well told for the most part um mm-hmm. 
And yeah, overall, like I think that they drew some survivor legends. Like I think that Shan will be the new Parvati. Like in terms of every who are you most like question. I think Shan, the way that they told the Shan story, is different than every other mega strategist story they've ever told. And I think it was really great. I love that she came eighth. I love that it was, they gave this person the credit, even when they didn't perform that well, really. Like they, Mm -hmm. you know, they were a middling placement. But the Survivor editors realized, well, who cares? There's something special here. And there was. And I think Shan carried this season in a lot of ways. And after she left, it was less good. And I, I really think that's something to hype up is how, how, well they told the Shan story and how they did it authentically and showed the power of Shan and also the vulnerability of Shan. So good. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's good when they they realize the power of an earlier character, I think can be really vital to the season. I think of like Pearl Islands and Rupert, like who also got eighth place. Like it's weird to think about that season if you're just focusing on who makes it farther. Like Rupert is such an important character for that season and for the future of Survivor that they realize they capitalize on that. And I think here again, they find a good person to represent what Survivor is in season 41 like new era or not and even though that person only gets eighth they give them the time there's someone who deserves the time i think and and go from there yeah rupert's a fantastic example like shan is the rupert of the season and survivor might not be here if rupert wasn't on survivor pearl islands and that's the Mm. important thing to remember is how much these survivor icons really do matter how much they actually do drive ratings and drive conversation on reddit like you know like no offense to uh who are we gonna pick we're gonna pick um i'm not gonna pick liana i'm gonna pick um tiffany even right like tiffany's great there's tiffany's gonna be somebody's favorite survivor player tiffany's story in this season would not be able to sustain reddit discussions three years from now shan's good people will probably be debating shan and what her relevance and how much she matters and maybe Shan's bad actually and then in three years later it's actually Shan's great and actually why Shan's the greatest player mm-hmm. ever and this push and pull all throughout Survivor history uh, on Shan similar to like a JT or a Steven or a Russell like these people matter because they keep the conversation going and Shan was that and Shan will continue to be that um, so that means that they did a really fantastic job mm-hmm. cool 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 so let's jump into what they got wrong. Um, now we're going to be some negative Nancys. My vote here, number one, is it, it's the characterization of this final five. I think for all the positives that we just said about Shan, the issue is that the other seven people who <laughs> made it further were not drawn out well in comparison to Shan. Yeah, they they missed more than they hit in this in these finalists and i think well no i think it really is the people who made it far like it was very awkward landings here at the end i mean we've talked about it so much already but like they don't we had no idea this is where they were headed which i think you can point at that and say wow what great that was unpredictable but it was in such a way that it like just doesn't add up and 
it, we've lost satisfaction because yeah. of it. Like there's like, I don't know, it's like almost a curve where it's like you can push it up to a point and it's like this peak of unpredictability and satisfaction. And then like you go further and like you're plummeting. Yeah because it doesn't make sense to the viewer. Yeah, it's it's the issue of Game of Thrones had this with, I'm not going to spoil Game of Thrones for this audience here, but uh, the person who ends up on the throne made a lot of people unhappy because it didn't match the rest of the story, right? Um, mm-hmm. That is a good example. And, and who you're left with, you're like, wait, really? Them? Like, her? <laughs> like, um, the, um, from Arrested Development, like, with Anne, um, the people that you're left with at this Final Five are not well drawn out. Mm-hmm. Or, they're well drawn out into Sean, and you have no expectation of them winning. Yeah. That's the issue, is, like, Xander is poorly drawn, I think Heather is actually fairly well drawn, but I think Xander, Erica, and Ricard are all two-dimensional characters, and it sucks for the finale, you know what I mean? Like, I had a lot of friends that are not super fans, not really care who won. And that's a giant failure of the season. I think it's absolutely the biggest failure of the season is that this final five, while unpredictable in some aspect, is also your least dynamic characters. And maybe that's how the season just rolled out, right? Like sometimes you're going to roll this and the, the goats are going to realize they need to as Dean says, rise up a goat army and kill the threats, which I think is kind of what we saw. But the story seemed reluctant to actually tell that as how it happened. Like the story did not, the they did not want to say Erica and Xander were goats and they chose to rise up. And maybe more authenticity in that storytelling is, is important. You know, like if there's three goats, one of them's going to win a million dollars. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I think there's this, I think strategy and survivors hit a point where there's this very like big movement to take out a bunch of threats early on in the merge. And you are, you tend to be left with like the, the bottom like feeders. And I don't think survivors hit that point. Like where like, Oh, deserving people make it to the end. And so we got to tell their stories and we're not telling like, these aren't the best people, the biggest strategists, like the most social who are making it. And there, there's just this disconnect where, like they still want to have these people be very deserving and oftentimes there is like some merit to them like erica's not like without like a greatness to her game but like they i don't know they miss it like they they're too afraid to show the flaws i yeah. think i agreed with that like i feel like you could show the flaws of erica and this season's probably a little bit better, you know, like, mm-hmm. and even her journey is probably better, you know, like people are not perfect and people have flaws and scars and like, that's just part of being a human being. And and so they pretty much showed a fairly either, qu- I would describe Erica as either flawless or quiet, depending on the episode. And neither mm-hmm. of those are actually particularly interesting. Yeah. Like even when they were wanting to throw the challenge to vote her out, it was like, because she's so great. It wasn't like we we can't stand her. It was, she's so good, she's going to win if we don't do this. Mm-hmm. So that's that one for sure. I, I And my other one for like what they got wrong is, to me, it's the twists. Like, to me, I'm actually not a survivor purist, and I think sometimes I come off as one on the show. I'm fine with weird, goofy twists. The, my issue with them is that they take away TV time. I think a big reason that Heather and Erica and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, 
got ghosted in some of these early episodes is that they had to put all this time into developing what the twist was about. Like, episode three, I maintain, is the worst episode of Survivor history. Maybe, like, maybe less bad than, like, the merge of Island of the Idols or something, like, where, like, really bad stuff happens, but, like, it's up there. It was so bad. Yeah, they're just, like, taking away from what at least I want Survivor to be, and I think what a lot of people want Survivor to be. Like, I don't want to... Survivor is not so definite a game that I want it to be this, like, puzzle that you figure out, and there's, like, all these read... this reading and, like, wordiness. Like, I... that's... I didn't like this anagram twist in the finale. Like, I don't want that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I You're right. It just is sort of wordy, and yet you know what has happened. Like, you get this explanation, and you feel like you wish it could have been shorter because it's something that's not set in stone and it is this, like, is how it is going forward, but you don't need paragraphs of text to tell you. I don't know. That doesn't really make sense, but, like, I don't know. It's just it's just taking up too much yeah, time. The, my issue, for sure, is that, like, if they could just in- interject these twists and it not take away from time with the characters, I'd probably be okay with most of them. I think the season, like, I think the hourglass was unforgivable. I think it's specifically lying to the players. I think that the knowledge is power was not okay with the players not knowing it was in there. And I think do or die was pretty clunky, but like on a game design level, but overall, like, I mean, I think the only one that's like completely unforgivable is the hourglass. I think you could slightly workshop the other two into being pretty good. The issue was that then you have an episode all about Brad finding a thing that doesn't matter. You have an episode, like, Mm -hmm. you have all this time that could have been a Heather confessional or could have been an Erica confessional or, like, a scene of them laughing together or crying together or or, or exploring the human condition together in some way. You know, like, all of these things take away from TV time and we know they only have 44 minutes and they couldn't get two hours for Winners at War, so they're not going to get two hours for anything else. Um, So to me, then, every time they interject a twist, it's another 10, 12, 10 minutes maybe that I'm not getting one of my favorite scenes in survivor history ever. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I think when you look back at all your favorite moments, sure. A couple of them, it's poverty playing two idols. It's, um, Russell deceiving someone, something like that. But overall, I feel like it's going to be stuff like Brett and Zeke having this profound discussion about, um, being gay across generations or, uh, coach saying something funny, or you know like uh, like that kind of stuff like that's what you remember you know like um sugar gate and game changer stuff like that and every single time there's a scene where somebody has to read a thing it's a scene that could have been somebody laughing or crying or smiling or dancing and, and instead we, we get somebody reading something that's my biggest issue and this is the worst mm-hmm. season we've ever got in terms of offense that way yeah yeah i think the most successful thing were those those like summit twists where you had this walk that literally forced two people who had not interacted before to interact and come together in some way and that was probably the closest we got to like people's stories intertwining and then to have it lead into this twist worked really well and it was a quick twist to explain but i mean you think of like the night sneak which uh, is apparently a thing we call when they go at night now the night sneak, night sneak. but that was that was all 
like twist. Yeah, like, it's all manufactured, right? It's like first yeah. they need to see the thing, then they, they need to read the thing, then they need to respond to the thing, then they need to do the thing, then they need to respond to doing the thing, and then they need to talk about how they handled it going back to camp. Like, but I'm I'm even thinking like when Brad, Tiffany, and Sydney all got there. Yeah, there was no development. Really. Yeah, it was talking about how those other people were playing the twist, but not like about those other people coming together yeah. and like meeting. No, that's a hundred percent a good thing. I was like, I think at the end of the day, this that's the worst part of this season. I think this season would have been way better if not for that stuff. And like, like, what did it bring? You know, like you honestly, mm-hmm. I think the episode where Erica's there on the island is pretty good, and it it completely does the selling of why Erica wins, and so I get why they highlighted it that way. But other than that, it brings nothing. Like, like none of the idols mattered this season. Think about it. Yeah. None of the extra votes really mattered this season. No, Joe, none of the twists fucking mattered this entire season. Well, I mean, Shan's extra vote got Messier out. So. That's true. They probably could have done it without it, but yeah, like you're right. There's a couple moments where like small things change. No, but you're you're totally right. Like most of the stuff didn't actually like not like. It is wild to think about episode three, which is just Brad gets like multiple twists and then is voted out. Like, yeah. How did that make like, the cutting room floor? Do like, you've got to do something with that. That's not that. Yeah. Like, cause like you're literally crumpling up half of an episode and throwing it in the trash. Wasn't like, you, honestly, Joe, it wasn't, I feel like it was an entire episode did not freaking matter. <laughs> like, the, and like, that's the other thing is like, the only thing, the only real twist that mattered, I guess you could argue the hourglass because Erica was going to get voted out, but she was only going to get voted out because she was away on an island and couldn't talk to anybody, right? Like, mm-hmm. maybe she gets voted out anyway. <laughs> like, that's the vibe I got. Is she could get voted out because, yeah, she can't talk to anybody. She doesn't know 10 of these people or whatever like obviously um so the, like i feel like that one's moot and then xander's idol is the only one that matters and it's how it didn't matter like it's really frustrating mm-hmm. that way you know like they could have edited this could have they honestly could have if they really wanted to be like deceptive they could have edited this as a no twist season mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what i mean like they could have lied to us and say there was nothing and this was no swap um no twist no idol survivor they just had to edit a couple scenes <laughs> and that's it but instead so mm. much of the tv time was these things yeah and that's what that's what makes this season to me spoiler alert i think it's a bottom middle season it's like a c tier season by assembling one of the best casts they've ever got yeah yeah anything else you think they got wrong joe um I don't think so. I think, I mean, not really in terms of edit, but I think, I think editing, the twist took up a lot of time there, but I think just on a bigger level, they need to focus on, like, the validity and, like, fairness of the game design. Because I think it is so scattershot and, like, we're just firing randomly and hoping for excitement and they've been fortunate to get it at times but i think they're going to get into a eventually a weird like deadlock where things don't work out right um yeah i think they just they need to have like a tighter focus on like making a good season rather than setting themselves up for yeah a big mess the other thing i'll say here for what they got wrong is we've talked about this a lot there's a clear push and this is true in entertainment in general of segmentizing things like 
making clear segments for things like Summit Island. Like, there's going to be a mm-hmm. twist. There's going to be this thing that they know, a reward challenge that they know is going to suck up seven minutes of screen time. Because that means there's, you know, seven minutes less that they have to scrape together footage for. Uh, Jeff talking to the camera, the the dummying down of a lot of this early season. Um it didn't linger as much as I thought it would, but I, th- I do think it's a it's a threat to Survivor moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it did vanish a little bit at the merge and onward, uh, but I, I I can't I can't forget some of those moments where you're just like, really, Jeff is explaining they're deciding between alliances and challenge strength in season forty one to the camera directly. Come on, we, we yeah. expect a little bit more, right? That stuff I think is like I really do think that this season might not age well. On a rewatch. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have like game within a game throughout the whole yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, I just think about that. Like, yeah, it's so stuck in time, and it, it feels unfortunate. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Is like, there's there's some factors like that that are just hard to reconcile with. Is that they just they? I think they really thought they were getting the Netflix audience, as we mentioned earlier in the season and that that storyline kind of dropped mm-hmm. off because it did vanish a little bit like from the merge onward but like i, I think that's really what we saw and it, in some ways it's like poetic that they tried so hard to accommodate them when they didn't show up like if you look at the survivor ratings they're consistent to what they were last season before they were on netflix in, in mm-hmm. some ways it's like duh you should have expected this but in some ways it's also sad because this is my favorite show and they didn't attract th- that new audience yeah so mixed bag there. So let's move here, Joe, into because we're narcissists. What we got right. And um, Joe, I honestly like I'm very happy with our coverage. I feel like we did a pretty good job. I feel like I was able to kind of clue in that we were getting a B type winner like pretty early. I think I put that notion out there at the end of episode five, I believe uh, episode five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I think that stuff, I think, I think overall we did really good covering this season. Like I think we were pretty on track after like episode one of what the season was about the stories. And we saw them pretty much quoting our stories at the final trap castle. Yeah. Yeah. I think I feel very good about our coverage this season. I don't know if that's because it was a winner. I, I got right. Or like a winner. I actually enjoyed, but I think we we just did a good job. And I think we're hitting on the way we've sort of structured our own episodes is the way I think Survivor is headed in terms of structuring who their winner is. Like they focus on story as opposed to like um, what their edge chart looks like. Um, if you're not, I don't know if you'll bring it up, but I'm definitely going to. I think Robot Dev um, elsewhere on the Edgex subreddit, not in one of our things, but he talked about his thoughts on the the biggest takeaway from the season. And in bold, he has, I think, the editors don't edit for a chart, they edit for like a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we've, that's one of the biggest things I realized thinking about this leading up to this episode is that's the whole, the whole Shan thing. And when I was like, how could I have seen this coming? It's, when Shan's perfect edit chart wise wasn't blending with the stories we had discovered mm-hmm. and seen reinforced episode to episode. Um, it's, it's realizing survivor focuses on stories and it feels like it's very strong this season, but I think it's gone longer and sort of focusing there and then building from that as opposed to looking at who has your perfect chart oh. and who has the relationships. Yeah, forward. like I mean, Emily Pandemonium had a great comment on our on our thread about the difference between 
looking at the stories and then looking at the number of relationships and the complexity of the relationships and where to factor that in. This season is a clear indication of you have to factor more stories, right? We do know who Eric is close with by the end of the season, not by episode three, not by episode mm-hmm. four, not by episode five or six or seven or seven, whatever. It's by episode like 10, right? Like we find out, oh, she's close to Heather and Ricard. Cool. That's a factor is like you have to, you know, we know she was on the bottom. She's a little bit of a unique case that way. But I mean, I think our story focused approach behooved us very well this season. Um, I was like, I sold the Shanstock pretty early. Um, I think I drop her off my contenders list in episode six. And the reason for that is one, they kind of put Liana more front and center. Uh, but also because the story started being all about how the most important thing is when someone's vulnerable and lets us watch how a survivor player's journey comes down to a moment and that moment's just a luck of the draw. Um, when you look back at Survivor, you learn back, you look back at every moment in the game and the challenges you didn't win where you give every when you gave everything in the tank. And it's to me, I, I clued into this story of, well, it doesn't matter about being the greatest, it matters about trying really hard, right? Like it matters about being consistent and and getting back up. And that's why I sold Shan is because Shan was a story of greatness. How this survivor legend just was born instantly. How greatness she was born to be great. And Erica's story was about how greatness was thrust upon them. And that's what the story was telling us. And that's why I bought the realistically that's why I bought the Tiffany and the Seer and Liana stock when I should have bought the Erica stock right away. But you know overall I think that the the message was there. And it was the same idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it will always be tricky too because I think with every story, even if we nail what they want us to be looking at, there's then within each story different ways to read it. Yeah. And I think that is sort of what tripped me up on Shan is there were little bits where you could read into like where she was at least going towards that story in some sense. Um, so I think it's always something to watch. But I think the important lesson is that story mm-hmm. first, see how these people are looking at these stories and then think about where we've seen them like throughout the season. Yep. Totally agree. Like, I, I think there's a bit of that with Deshaun where Deshaun did tap into a lot of the stories, but he was still inconsistent in tone and inconsistent in visibility. But I would very much go like story then to the chart rather than chart doesn't fit with the story. Yeah, I, I think there's two factors here, right? Like, I think the important thing is story focused for sure. But also realizing that every episode, the editors have two jobs. One is telling the story of this week and also telling the story of how this week is relevant to the story at large comparing and contrasting those things to with like a fine comb you know Mm -hmm. i think that's the key is it's not just the story at large it's not just this week it's both yeah and I think that's why it was so hard with this season is you have this winner whose story really doesn't start till the merge, but you have a ton of interesting things going on pre-merge in other tribes. Yeah. And so you're just putting a lot of attention in those people and not so much attention over here. And that's what made it really bizarre. <laughs> totally. Um, on that note, I mean, I think that 
Actually, let's jump here too. I think the other thing, uh, Joe, at this point, and I, uh, this is something I feel very proud of myself for, is catching the weird dubbing in this season. Um, those lines I quoted earlier about the um, survivor players' journeys often come down to a moment, and that moment sometimes comes down to the luck of a draw. In episode six, when they're drawing the challenge, like drawing the rocks or whatever, there's a lot of moments like this throughout the season that are clearly added in after and post. Um, I'm going to maintain this being like a number one thing to pay attention to. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, this is the moment in episode four when I completely abandoned the idea of a really strong dominant winner and was purely looking out for the scrappy underdog. Um, after the, I love the strategy in the game, but the most important thing is when someone's vulnerable and lets us watch. I think paying attention to what Jeff Probst says should be incorporated more into Edgic. Um, he's the EP of the show. Um, you know, like, he's the showrunner, and he's going to make sure what he says matters and isn't contradicted. Um, mm-hmm. That's an important thing to remember, I think, moving forward. I don't think I would have gotten Erica as the winner if I wasn't keenly paying attention to what Jeff Probst was saying in the season both on the beach and clearly dubbed in post yeah i don't i mean i don't know if this maybe was a thing longer than we have seen it longer than just this season but i think this season is a really good starting point for that maybe to happen when you think about the other places jeff became a bigger focus where he gave us all these asides at different stages of the game um yeah jeff is very much a part of this show and he wants to be like like sort of an oracle or something for this like he can divine survivor and so i think his his words more than ever because he said like corny cheesy things like this from season to season but i don't think we've ever seen it so common and so contradictory to what he usually says right like usually he's a dick if you're bad at challenges right like usually Mm -hmm. he's all about like like it's completely different than like try your best like he that's not jeff ropes jeff ropes is like be the best yeah and the way there were like we've pointed out three distinct like versions where or lines where jeff said something and they all relate to like erica's winter story like i think that is definitely i want to focus on these these maxims jeff yeah. is speaking and there's more too and- right like there's like when erica draws um the the rock a second time he's like how wild is it that you drew this rock twice and you're on the outside and then Xander offers to give up the, you know what I mean? Like there's stuff all over this season. All that's like Jeff Probst saying things he normally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, um, that's the biggest one for me is just like the season, if anything was a, I always focus on what Jeff says, but this was like very much a, um, I need to focus even more because yeah he wants he wants to be the narrator that tells the audience what is right and what is wrong mm-hmm. yeah, cool so the other one i think that's important to talk about here um is let's quickly talk about this because we'll talk about it more later is like i think we- yeah i don't know if, if we want to just talk about all of it like we had this in our like takeaways moving forward section um i think we had a bit to talk about like what we just got plain wrong but i say move that after this because we just need to talk sure. about tribes 
and what they mean to Survivor and the editing. Because, um, yeah, like, a Lufu one, and I think that's just wild to think about. Yeah. And so... I mean, so... Well, yeah, what we have in one of our strengths is, like, realizing something strange is going down. Like, we never fully discounted Luvu, I think. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is I think a lot of people that normally I find like show it to Survivor 39 on Unspoiled. There's somebody I usually find myself agreeing with in this community. This time early on, I'm like of the I, I feel like you've never been a strong complex tribe theory person. I always have been. And this season I the entire time was like, let's hold on a second. Like we haven't seen like one, I'm firmly against like my my main takeaway is like people need to cool it with deciding what the complex tribe is before the swap or merge that's my number one takeaway is i really feel like if you were to analyze all of these three tribes just from like you didn't ever think about complex tribe until the merge like that's why we always do our complex tribe episode at the end of the swap um is that that that's when it actually matters like is i think people basically decided what the complex tribe was in episode like three when there's four more episodes in the pre-merge they didn't swap at all that to me was the mm -hmm. biggest thing i'm like hold off wait till we swap because we actually did get a lot of relationships on luvu but also so much of this tribe or this this game in general from the merge and even from the summit was like why working with your tribe is a bad idea i think that's really what the story was telling it was like hey there's there's more beyond your tribe and they still checked in with erica you know what i mean like they the reason complex tribe theory exists is that they check in where the winner's actually standing so I think the a way to, for me anyway, to reconcile with this is I don't think Complex Tribe Theory was at all counteracted this season. And I think that makes me in the extreme minority because I think, I think like you just said, like Robot Dev said in that post, they're making a TV show. They're not making an edgic chart or a, a guidebook of who wins. They're making a TV show. And why does Complex Tribe Theory work? It's because you want to know how the winner's standing on their tribe. If you never go to tribal and you're the boot the whole time and they're trying to throw to get you out, that's enough cover for how what's going on on your tribe. Mm -hmm. I think I think you're right in that I've never been so on board Complex Tribe Theory. And I think I do look at the season very differently and it sort of aids my like thing. Like, don't like, like, stop i think talking about that guidebook or i think when we were discussing it pre-recording and we had to like stop ourselves so we could have stuff to discuss here i sort of classified like there's this theoretical survivor edgic workbook and you have your little page on like complex tribe theory how are you figuring out who is the complex tribe and i'm just like rip it out like i i don't want to look at that going forward at least for this season like i need to build up some trust back in it i guess but i think it's something where most of the time it's so easy to sort of build a justification in for it if it doesn't work out just right like there's like a good portion of the time you have an idea of who the complex tribe is and it's the person with the winner there's like another good portion i think maybe not as big where all tribes involved are pretty complex maybe you didn't nail it but you can see why the winner's tribe was the complex 
complex tribe. And then you have situations like this where it like it didn't look that way. I get where you're saying the Luvu bits came in. I, I'm still kind of skeptical that when you look at it in comparison to what Yasa and Ua got, right. like was it that complex? But um but yeah, I think sometimes it just doesn't fit. And that's what makes me think complex tribe theory, like I don't personally want to have that effect sort of like if i think what makes us fortunate as in doing this podcast is that we list out every person every episode we spent so many episodes talking about heather when (laughs) we didn't think she had a shot but i think that's so valuable to keep everyone in perspective and i think that's what really helped us this season i think that's why it's here that's probably fair yeah i mean my like that's the thing is like i'm the one who loves complex tribe theory and i like again like i think i'm the only person on the internet saying this but i don't think this season contradicted it at all (laughs) like i really don't and I think that maybe something about 39 made more people aware of complex tribe theory and therefore made more, like, I don't want to be rude, but more, made more people use it wrong. Like a, a core tenet to me is one, you don't talk about it till at the end of the tribal phase and then you count the relationships, right? That's to me what it is. Like, yeah, there's more ways to view it and whatever, like there's more complexity, but it's kind of that wait for them to no longer be on the tribe count how many relationships exist that's your complex time um but also like how do i put this it's not it's it only matters before tribal council right like all the stuff that happens after immunity results is completely irrelevant effectively sure every now and then something will matter but i remember getting really mad on the internet about this back when i got more heated you know uh and triple h everybody on the internet was uh who didn't you know wasn't a long time complex tribe theory person was like well the hustlers are clearly the complex complex tribe because they got this emotional speech at a tribal council i'm like you don't even have to watch the tribal council like literally complex tribe theory works because you stop watching the tv show once the immunity challenge happens and afterwards like all of that is irrelevant maybe in this season it's a little bit different if they're giving confessionals during the immunity challenge but let's say it results onward completely irrelevant to complex tribe theory i think if you look at under that lens luvu's not that invisible like i brought up um a little chart here of okay so by the end of episode five you know that uh nasir wants deshaun and danny out because they were looking for an idol and that sydney likes deshaun and danny so she ratted out nasir and she wants nasir out that's like four relationships all together there you know that danny and deshaun are best buddies you know that sydney and deshaun are best buddies because deshaun tells sydney when erica wants sydney out you also know that erica likes deshaun and that Deshaun does not like Erica because when Erica goes to Deshaun, he says he's now going to make it his mission to vote her out and throw the challenge. You know that Deshaun wants to throw the challenge. You know that Danny does not. Danny is a professional football player and he doesn't believe in throwing challenges. You then learn that Deshaun convinced Danny to throw the challenge. They try to throw the challenge with Deshaun, Danny, and Sydney. They fail. Why? Because Nasir likes Erica and does not want to throw the challenge. You then see Deshaun convince Nasir with Danny to throw the challenge. It's still not enough. Erica is then able to overcome. Uh, and you get this extremely in your face confessional from Deshaun. Um, 
summing up how um i erica is sneaky 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 so i just want to cut the head off the snake before it gets too much of a problem i don't want to give erica the opportunity to, to play the slow beginning game and then emerge at the end and take me out as what happened in the season like there's a a clear summary of all the relationships except heather really like heather's invisible other than that there's so many relationships on luvu i was never willing to pick who the complex tribe was i wasn't that's not me saying oh i knew it was luvu that's me saying the fact that people just took it for a given that luvu wasn't the complex tribe i think was shoddy journalism at best (laughs) um okay so I think I had a lot of thoughts, but what do I remember? So, okay, so let's branch off, like, it, we we could say that we, we weren't sure on the complex right there. I think that's valid, because I think my counterpoint to what you just did with Luvu was that you could also do that with Ua. Um, and, like, how do you make a complex tribe that only gets down to two people? Like, there's that challenge there. You have all these, this intense group of four on Yasa that has all these branching relationships that are described well. I think, I, I get why we were uncertain but it's I, I i think the point i want to make is that luvu most certainly was not like above and beyond the other two tribes Agreed. so so yeah that's where that's where i sort of come out and be like if all the tribes were doing this sort of stuff what what is the better gauge of complexity then what is the stuff that luvu specifically did that differentiates that and i don't know if we know that me honestly joe fine. uh my take is that if there's ever a tribe doing confessionals and a challenge again they're the complex tribe hmm. i i think that well i mean it, it's not wrong because like didn't uh brawn have that in and foa foa yeah um <laughs> i think i think that's I think... like it supersedes everything else <laughs> My, I think my idea going forward from this, and I, I, I don't want to say we're done discussing this by any means, because there's a lot there. This is the sort of meat of it. But I think we should make a pact to, personally on this podcast, not touch the topic of complex tribe theory until we get a preview that's like, it's the yeah, merge. I agree. And then we can be like, here's our complex tribe And I, I think that's special. usually what we do, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think we definitely, it definitely got out from under us quicker in this season. Yeah. But that's because I think everyone was hardcore discussing it. Yeah. They wanted to figure like, out, like, who is this complex Luvu tribe? was quiet in episode two, and then everybody's like, they're clearly not the complex. Like, they were not that clearly. Like, Deshaun's visible in every episode, you know? Like, Sydney's visible in every episode. Like, Nasir's visible in every episode. The idea that this is, like, like the way that you see the Survivor commentary is, like, they weren't on the TV show and you didn't know their names. And that, to me, is absurd. They were on the TV show. Yeah, I think that goes back to another interesting thing. I think it was episode three where we were like, why is this episode so bad? But also, was this episode so focused? And it was this idea that, like, maybe these, there's the premiere and then these next three episodes are each going to focus on a tribe. They did. Because they go to tribal council. And so Yasa went to the first tribal council, Uwa went to the second one, and then Uwa went again, and we were like, well, that's that theory. But that wasn't actually the case, because that's the one where we got Erica and Deshaun, and then Heather's reward challenge thing. There was a ton of... We crushed that commentary and abandoned it, right? Like, like that's (laughs) one thing that I I think we kind of did it wrong, is we were like... I remember asking you, I'm like, Joe, what if next week it's all about Luvu? Because they go to tribal and then they go to, they don't go to tribal, but it's an episode all about them. It was a half truth. And we were like, yeah, not good enough. Yeah. And 
<laughs> I, I really think that's the key is that they basically did the premiere and then they did Yasa and then they did Ua and then they did Luvu and then they did Ua again, you know, like, well, I think it was like Luvu plus Ua went to tribal. So we got to talk about them. And then I think actually episode five was like more of that development because Nasir gets roped in and it's where he and finds so the yeah, idol. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it got us. And so, yeah, I think. Pay attention to those patterns, my, I think is another takeaway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my end idea is like, yeah, I'm very, very skeptical on it right now, mostly because I can't, I personally don't have a solid gauge of amidst the content we're seeing, whether it's just content or relationship building. Yeah. What, what if this is a tenet of survivor editing? What is quote unquote complexity? Yeah. I think I want to in... redefine complex tribe theory as tribe where winner's position is clearly explained theory and the winner can't exist on a tribe where their story is not well defined like where their parameters and like what their position is is not well mm -hmm. defined that's what complex tribe theory means and it has a more serious sounding name and i think what makes it so tricky in the moment is that you don't know the winner and you don't so know the like... next episode that's why I only discuss it after we know all the episodes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's, that's I think where people got got is that I actually think that y you can easily argue that Luvu is the complex tribe. It's also a little weird comparing a tribe that never goes to tribal versus a tribe of two. Like what's mm -hmm. more complex, six people and one of them's invisible and some of them don't talk or two people and they're the only people that can talk to each other. You know, like it's also a hard, hard discussion. So. You know, it's a, it was a weird season that way. Yeah. But yeah. So let's redefine complex tribe theory to just mean amount of relationships. That's it. Um, yeah. I think as far as the story of the season, like, I actually think they did a really good job. Like, it seems like they may have been a little bit grudging in terms of who won, but they told the story of how that person won and why they won on a metaphorical level really well. This is a story mm -hmm. all about luck and risk and reward and being authentic and trying really hard, even if you're not great at things. And yeah, I, I really feel like all that stuff was so good and, and sums up what the story is about. I think so. I think it's sort of this overarching idea of determination. Mm -hmm. And I think not only does that play really well into Erica's story, it's sort of the themes they were stacked with from the beginning from like conceiving the season. They were like, wouldn't it be great if we could do a season all about determination in the face of luck? And they were sort of handed that on a, a nice platter and we're able to yeah. really focus on those stories. I think that's why I feel like other seasons we've had sort of a humongous laundry list of like possible themes at the beginning and then ne eventually narrow it down into what's actually happening. Whereas this season we sort of started with a few and those few were the ones yeah. that carried us through the entire Like that's thing. the wildest thing to me is that we talked about like what we did right is a story focused approach. Every single one of these themes really we had after episode one. Some of them weren't as explored, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But in general the idea of risk versus reward and how you should be more risky but maybe a little bit cautious you know like that's kind of the weird vibe that they're going for uh how you should be completely authentic to who you are how sacrifices and hard decisions are necessary and you have to work to get to where you are but also that and you know survivor is both a personal and team game uh, and how you have to m navigate 
your own goals with the goals of things thrust upon you, like identity, or how Survivor could be a love letter, and your performance and, and determination can be a love letter to your parents or the people who are close to you, right? Like, all of these are about Erica, um, mm-hmm. even if they didn't seem like it in the moment, and I think that's actually a really beautiful way that they did this. Yeah. But yeah. Good job. I, I think that it made me Hawkeye on Erica, but totally um, also think it made the story good. Like, I think it was actually, like, a pretty beautiful story that, like, you could probably watch the season and, like, do, like, a like a book report on it. You know, I, I think that's pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. We hit that, like, theme section. You got, like, plot, character, setting. Totally. Yeah, like... Themes. And like one of the setting part, the, the setting part is the hardest season of Survivor. You know, like yeah. it, it was cool. They did a good job that way. Um, so let's do some awards, Joe. Um, let's go with the. Let's start with best moment of the season. Uh, do you have one off the top of your mind? Hmm, can be anything I want. I think I don't know. Like the thing I I think I think about. And maybe it's really basic is like when Erica, Shannon, Ricard are conferring about actually doing this year instead of Heather. And Erica's like, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it's just so like funny and like a good moment of character for I feel we didn't see a ton of that from Erica. We saw like a very wholesome person, like the nice edit, but it was so, so punchy and good. Like that's the one that sticks out. That's to a me. great one. Or like Liana's speech, I think is also really Liana's great. speech is a great one. Uh, my vote is is the it's actually i can't believe it it's the best reward in survivor history it's that whatever the backyard of hell or whatever it was and namely i mean it, i think it's shannon ricard having that bond where they're what that whole moment i think it transcends a little bit to a little bit afterwards where shan's like you know we've never said final two um but you're my buddy like we're best friends forever right like that relationship was really great. That to me is my vote. Mm-hmm. The other vote is everything Brad did. He was very funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or like, I think like there's a lot, honestly. Like, I don't know if mon- much of this is going to be remembered in like the Survivor lexicon moving forward. But like, I think Shan and JD's vote, like that JD vote episode, is just one of the most dominant performances I think we've ever seen in the sh- in Survivor. And that's pretty cool that we're getting that in Survivor 41. Mm-hmm. What about worst moment, Joe? I think it's when Jeff is explaining the Voce versus Tiffany vote. Yeah. It just was like, oh gosh, what show am I watching now? Is it the same show I thought I was watching? And then it's right on the heels of episode three and you're like, oh no, things are bad. Yeah. Like, I think that's just like, yeah, episode three is bad, but like episode that moment in episode two is just like, oh no, this is not what I want from Survivor. Please go back. Yeah, Joe, I I I want to give a diverse vote here, but you're right. I think that is that is the moment. Like I think you could also nominate episode three in general, <laughs> the entire forty-four minute runtime of episode three. But well, see, I think that's tricky because it's a lot of Brad. So like you're getting a lot of Brad who's yeah. the best moment, but in like the worst way. Yeah, it's like oh my god i love it's like you love brad but at what cost (laughs) yeah yeah like brad was way better Mm -hmm. in two and three but or one and two but um yeah no i I think you're right i think it is that moment where jeff's talking to the camera and that's the one where he's like it's about challenge strength versus alliance loyalty where will they go Mm -hmm. yeah like (laughs) it's like thanks jeff i've seen uh 
every season of Survivor. So. Wait, really? That's what they're deciding? <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's a good one. Okay, let's go for worst edit of the season. Which what is go- hmm. given your prestigious award here, Joe? Worst edit, I think. I mean, okay, I played off as though it wasn't obvious, but I think it's got to be Ricard. I mm-hmm. think just a totally undersold edit that you could have made this extremely compelling winners edit and just added so much to the finale, I think. Mm-hmm. But instead, it's it just falls flat and it left us with this person. I was like, I don't think you're winning, but I could see a disappointed state where you do win with this edit. So, yeah, a, a very great character, but it just was not the edit he deserves yeah like i mean i'm gonna throw in an honorable mention of heather uh because i think it could have been so much more but i think the official winner edit winner you know the winner's edit winner for worst edit (laughs) goes to ricard i i think i'm right there with you i think that ricard could have been the next three i think he could have been like they say in the show, one of the best players to ever win and maybe he was that on the beach that's not the story we got um, we got no story, really. We got a, a couple moments of greatness, right? Like his premiere mm. and uh, what was it, episode ten or episode eleven? The the one where he talks about how he's really great, at the, great at this game, and I guess it's episode ten and eleven. Like that's a great like those three episodes together, episode one, ten, and eleven are god tier. Every other episode sucks. Like <laughs> it's you could have just made the other rest of those pretty good or something, you know, like. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that's my vote as well. But, you know, I'll nominate Heather as someone who could have been more. Um, yeah, like, it's just Ricard could have been one of the greats ever. And he's not in this season at all. And honestly, Joe, I don't know if he's going to play again. I think he might get forgotten mm-hmm. in three seasons. Or just, like, some of that fan reaction, the various points throughout the game might not yeah. resonate well. And then, yeah. yeah. And, like, he really could have been great. Like, look at, like, I'm looking at his edgic bar right now. I'm like, look at how many under-the-radars he has. Like, this mm-hmm. is the guy that... Is at the end talk about how he's one of the best ever. He's got literally three UTR ones. Like a, I don't know. Like and like two of those he went to tribal. Yeah. Like one of like the merge episode he won immunity and he was gonna get voted out right. Like and they didn't mm-hmm. even didn't even talk after. Like yeah. Like there was a giant failure there. Okay, let's jump to best edit, Joe. What you doing here? Um, okay, I will go first. I kind of want to. I can go, go first. first. I can go first. I... My vote is, and this one was easy for me. It's Shan. I have mm-hmm. another contender uh, that I, I'm I'm guessing is going to be your vote, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I think Shan from yeah. minute one to the minute end is how you create a survivor legend. I think that we will never forget Shan. Uh, the Shan song will play in our in our heads for the rest of our lives. When we're doing something devious, we saw what made her great, what made her fun, why people liked her, her struggles, her personal journey in a way that felt attached to the story. Absolutely, this was the story of Shan. This was the best story of the season. I don't think it's close. I do have a second who is kind of close for me, uh, but Shan is like, she's in space and this person is like, 
at the edge of our solar of our uh, atmosphere. Hmm. Okay, I'm curious if if you're thinking the same thing I am because I think it is kind of an an interesting pick. But I think I would go with Liana. Is that what you're thinking? No, but that's the third no. place for sure. Okay, um, and I say that I think with there's a little bit of that episode nine edit where she just hates Xander. Like I think that's a sour yeah. bit. That's what holds it back for me. Otherwise, I think so. Preseason, I remember how unexcited we were for Liana. And I come out of the season, I know I'm a bit of a weirdo when it comes to like favorite survivor characters. But Liana's my favorite from this season. I just love like what she brought to it and what the edit did for her. Where it was this dimensional edit to someone who I think they didn't need to yes. provide dimension to. And we saw so many highs and lows with her. And I love the ride of thinking like Liana is her winner somehow. And then having that like moment at the merge and not just sort of building that up in the two episodes it spans, but instead giving us a character before that and then writing that through to her finale, which is so poignant, so prominent. And you see why we're supposed to have rooted for Liana at some point. Like it doesn't last the whole time. There are bad bits to Liana, but they do a good job of giving that character its due. Joe, when you persuaded me. Liana's number two. Um, no. <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. And I think that episode nine where she's just mad at the end or poisoned it a little bit for me. Uh, it's like mm -hmm. she's randomly super one note there. That said, yeah, you're totally right. Because and the reason for that, my number two was actually Deshaun. Um, yeah, the, the, the reason why I think Liana actually should be number two is that there's totally a world where she's completely invisible until the merge says she hates Xander and then gives a good speech at the end. We've seen that before. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've seen that exact story mm -hmm. before. And I love that they actually gave her credit. They presented her as a legitimate threat in the game. They gave us her philosophy of wanting to make big moves and wanting to be the best and where that can cause issue for her. Like, it was really well told. They they gave us everything that you need to know about Liana, right? Like, you could place Liana in a conversation with anybody. You could put Liana next to SpongeBob. It's a, Liana's a fully three-dimensional <laughs> three character. And you would know how they would interact. Um, and you're right. Liana's absolutely there because she doesn't need to be. And that's what we're always advocating mm -hmm. for on this podcast, right? Is build more people who don't need to be threats who don't need to be contenders as contenders, because that's another way to say, build more characters who aren't in the finale as captivating characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a tricky one with this season where there are two people in the final four who are very under-edited, and it's like, should what Liana had, should it have been right. given to Erica or Heather? And maybe... I want, uh, I, yeah, but also I enjoyed so much what it made Liana into. Yeah, and like, yeah, like I think there's, it's weird because there's a trade-off, right? In, in some ways, and this is something we got wrong, right? Is in general, I think we did pretty good on the winner tracking in terms of like, we thought Liana was going to be a losing finalist because she was so developed, right? And I think mm -hmm. that was a common take. And how awesome is it that she wasn't? She was just a cool person who did well, you know? And didn't yeah. win, and how beautiful is that? And to me, it's like, okay, yeah, you could have given more of Liana to Erica or or something like that, or Heather. But then, like, so then it's just another person who came seventh, you know? It's just another seventh placer mm -hmm. who, who kind of rose right before they left, right before they burned. 
And in a way, I think the average fan is going to understand, okay, whatever, these people were great and Erica was good enough to win. That's the story they told is, look at these great people and Evie and Shan and Liana and Danny and Nasir and Tiffany that all leave back to back to back to back to back. And the story isn't how Erica's the best, it's how Erica was good enough to live. And that's good enough for <laughs> mm-hmm. me. And I think yeah. if I was editing this show, given all the raw footage, I think the right call is give more to a Liana, to a Shan, to an Evie, and, and just tell the story of how erica won authentically and it it is weird because of the meta commentary of this is your first woman winner in a while that said i do think that making more captivating developed women characters is more important than selling the the next woman winner but it's a tough Mm -hmm. trade-off and you only got 44 minutes so what are you gonna do totally understand if other people have a different viewpoint there yeah i also have to say liana's second jury question to xander is also up there for best moment was that when they asked do you have an idol yeah that's like perfect comedic timing yeah she seems so fun right like i i don't know i was so like i think honorary like who we were the most wrong about was Liana, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, we both were like, she's not going to do well. Versus Sarah, who we were both like, she's not going to do well. Um, so, you know, <laughs> um, the winner edit taketh and the winner edit giveth away. But, um, yeah, no, I absolutely love Liana. Joe, she might be my pick for must come back. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what a second season would look like. Um, Number one might be Shan. Guess, is Shan. But yeah. the issue with Shan is you have to bring her back. Like, you couldn't put Shan on second chances. You'd have to put Shan on, like, Survivor Legends or something to give her, like, appropriate cover. You could put Liana mm-hmm. next season with newbies and it'd be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't know. Love Liana. I love that you picked that because I wouldn't have and I really appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, overall, <laughs> like, that's the show. That's our... That's the season. Absolutely, like, I loved it. To me, this is probably, like, a 22 or something like that, which I feel like sounds low, like, being the 22nd or 23rd or whatever best thing. (laughs) But, like, Survivor's a good show, Joe. And this was, I think, a pretty good season. I think that there's a couple moments that we mentioned in the worst moment that uh, hold it back from being higher. But overall, I think this was a fantastic cast with good moments, with a good, well-told story. And mm-hmm. that's able to make it you know, be a pretty middling season. And for Survivor, middling is still better than every other show on TV. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm high on this season, and I would say 22 is pretty high for me. Like, there have just been such good seasons elsewhere yes. that, like, yeah, this season had a great cast, but it has a, a lot of problems, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't put it into numbers. That's not my forte. Right, like, I give it, like, a 7 but... or 8 out of 10. And that's, like, yeah, I, super good. I would say 22 feels high, but... Okay, yeah, that's probably fair. There's like a lot of good seasons of Survivor is the issue. Yeah. 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 And like, that's the thing is I'll say that kind of stuff. And then people are like, you hate it. It's 50%. I'm like, no, it's like the best show on TV. You know, like that's very fair. Yeah. 22. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean the after show I thought was bad. That's like a factor. And also there's only 13 episodes. (laughs) Little. I, I, it's, it's weird that it's so short, but it also didn't feel like they packed it in episode wise. Like, no, I think they could have used a two-hour episode. Yeah. Like, I feel like this oh, is the first one in a while where we didn't get a two-hour episode. Like, two-hour episode three. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I, I honestly think if you just... I think they should have redone episode three. And then I think the season's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah so let's look for like we saw the trailer for next season looks like it's the exact same still 42 you know still just the number uh mm-hmm. actually know somebody on the next season so it's gonna be a little weird but I'm excited to talk about it with you, Joe. Yeah, I think seeing that preview, it feels like, in a way, more of the same. Which we know the goofy is, idol phrase is back. Is is daunting, but I mean more of the same in terms of the cast looks very interesting like not just diverse but like normal people i feel was the sense i got again yes. like i feel sometimes uh survivor cast can get a little like is the word i want to like pretty or like nice and i don't know these feel people feel more real yeah. like i could encounter one of them here in nebraska as opposed to like being on the coast but but yeah i think there's that that's got me excited for it i'm i'm worried for the twist they seem to be back and i'm sure they will be but yeah yeah that's like the biggest worry right is like something like do or die doesn't feel like the scourge on survivor balances does because deshaun lived so next season what if they don't like you know even knowledge is power if they don't know about it like what happens when that ruins the season you know what i mean like they got lucky this season in terms of the twists not affecting anything I think the mm-hmm. twist design was very bad this season. I think the, and I like all the praise I'm giving to the Survivor production team. I do want to make it clear that is all on the editors and narrative team. I think that the the boots on the ground Survivor production team is doing a bad job, um, and that makes me nervous because yeah. you know you can only dress up a pig so much. Um, it makes me worried, like them taking these things as successes mm-hmm, for sure. So yeah, that's our show. Like overall, yeah, like well. I think I'm happy with our coverage. I think we did a good job. Mm-hmm. We tackled the stories, and for the most part, like we were pretty on, like pretty early. I think on the Erica bandwagon. Like you know what I mean? Like I feel like we were talking about Erica before really anyone else was um you're talking about this type of winner before anyone else was i think we appropriately covered who the popular contenders were i guess the only thing is like neither of us were really ever in on ricard who did seem to be a big figure in the community at large um but i think i think we explored why we disagreed a he didn't win yeah so were we wrong but also yeah i think we were always like showing like look this is why we don't think he's winning like um and i think we also we did address like where it was strong like why you might think it but i think always counter arguing that way yeah agreed things that i think were truly valid in the end yeah like i don't think we missed any like huge discussion or anything like that like i feel like we were pretty on the pulse Mm -hmm. so i don't know i'm happy with it um hard to be perfect but overall like i have almost no no complaints really um Yeah, I mean, I have so many more hot takes. Like, I really don't think Eric is an unconventional winner. We can fight <laughs> about that in the future. At me, whatever. Fight me in DMs. I really don't think she's very unconventional at all. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find much of a difference between her and Sophie. I'm gonna be honest, but um, that's her show. I think, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm refreshed to have got the winner. I'll say that. I've had some rough ones with, with Tony and I mean, Chris, of course, was rough for everyone, but like uh, Nick and then I mean, it's Kane, been a rough patch. On I this. actually think our best coverage. Well, I don't know. I feel like we've done pretty good on Ghost Island, on 
Island of the Idols, and I actually think this season might be number one, but I think we crushed Edge of Extinction. I think from pretty early on, we were like, we think it's the second returnee, but we're not willing to just say second returnee because that's lazy. You know? Like, I feel like we did a pretty good job there, but... Possibly. I don't know. It's also hard to remember. The thing you'll learn about podcasting audience, if you ever do a podcast, it's really hard to remember what you said. And I think... Of the ones we've covered, Edge of Extinction is the one where I'm like, quiz me on who was on that. Oh yeah, name three like, characters. Uh... I'm like, oh, <laughs> Rick, War Dog. Um, who won? Chris Underwood. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so yeah, I don't know. My hot anyway. take is always we did pretty good on that one, but it's hard to do well on that one. Who knows? Um, yeah. So I just wanted to uh, jump in here quick and talk about a little uh, game that we run. So. A good friend of mine runs basically like an online reality game. I know there's a lot of kind of janky, silly ones out there on the internet. If you love this show, uh, I can recommend it wholeheartedly. It's really well done, very professional, good fun time on the internet. So if you are looking for something like that, if you've always been wondering, hey, what are these online reality games like, give Endure a try. I'll post the application in the show notes. So if you do want to give a a shot to this game, it's going to be running in February. I think it's a fun time. Uh, It's how I've met a lot of my best friends on the internet here. It really is a cool place. We do meet up in New York City, go to the bar, get some drinks. It's a fun time. Uh, So if you are looking for something fun, uh, it's an online game, pretty fun. Honestly, they really try, from what I understand, to put people who've never played before in there that are just Survivor fans, just excited to be there. Uh, and just have a fun time in the game. So definitely recommend it. If you have any questions, hit me up. Otherwise, farewell. See you next season. If you have questions at all, feel free to DM me on Twitter or on Reddit. Uh, my username's at u slash H-I-P-L-O-P. Or my Twitter is at DannyKillsBees. So either way, feel free to reach out. And I uh, will be happy to um, answer any questions, thoughts, ideas, concerns, that sort of thing. Thanks so much for a great season of The Winners Edit. And we'll see you next time. Anyway, that's our show. Uh, have a great December. I don't know. Uh, and January. And January. We gotta wait till February. That's true. I think. Yeah. Excited for the next one and happy to do it again. And if you're well, watching the, closely, uh, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried. <laughs> are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win